This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I have never had drinks on the porch with someone that didn't end in sex. <laughs> Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I recently finished watching Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. And I recently finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. We watched both shows together all seven seasons, comparing them as we went. And now we are watching Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, as well as reading the Buffy comics. And this week we watched A Year in the Life fall, thus completing the Gilmore Girls storyline. Yeah, you know it all now. I know it all. You know the Until final the next four words. Installment comes out. Yeah, you wilded. Yep, wilded. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. Or the like Lane something about you can do better than Zach. I don't even think Lane had lines in this episode. Yeah, it's. I don't know if she got in a fight with Amy Sherman Palladino, and she was like, "I'm gonna write your character into the ground and off the show." But this seems to be what happens. Well, you made a joke about until the next installment. I feel like there's been chatter this week. Oh yeah. Lauren Graham is on like a book tour, so people keep asking her about it. And she's like, yeah, I mean, there's nothing in the works, but like never say never. That's like always the answer. I mean, she's not going to leave Disney Plus's Mighty Ducks like universe story. <laughs> it, that got canceled, bro. They like pulled it from Disney. I know. It's so funny because the first season we watched it. We talked about it. First season is not great, but it's whatever. But then the second season, they're just like, yeah, we're going to just do something different. Emilio Estevez is gone. We don't care. Yeah. We didn't even make it to season two. We were like, no. Yeah, done. I don't even know if we finished the first episode. You could just tell it was going to be different. It took a lot to get us to watch any of the Mighty Ducks. It was mostly like there's nothing on. We're, it's 2 a.m. We're out of shows to watch. I guess Lauren Graham's in this. Let's check it out. <laughs> we did watch all of it for some reason. But I think that Amy has also said that if she were to do more, she would want to fix Lane. Or, like, redeem Lane a bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She did a big interview recently as well. I'll see if I can find that and link it. I think Lauren's comments were on, like, a morning show as well. Interesting. Yeah. So how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about it. Um, I feel like a lot of the comments you gave me about this are true. Like, there are some really cool things in A Year in the Life, but there's also some stuff that's like, mm, could have done without that. And it just doesn't make sense as far as, like how time has passed but has not passed absolutely and it's so clear that amy like was told what happened in the previous season by a game of telephone because she just ignores things from the last season that it's like it's we're not going to talk about that like yeah. your character's just not going to address these things we're just starting over with these characters like there's certain things she can't ignore like lane had children and they're not yeah. a big part of this but they exist but the, she does kind of just ignore the fact that, like, Logan quit his dad and proposed to Rory. Absolutely. And it, it makes some scenes just, like, nonsensical because you're like, there's history here you're ignoring. I don't understand. It makes it frustrating. I get wanting it to do it her way, and I think she ignored, like, as much as she reasonably could without, like, straight up contradicting what the other writers did in season seven. Right, right. But there's a little bit more that needed to be done to, like, bridge that gap, I think. We'll discuss it. Specifically, the Logan stuff is really where it shines through as being like, uh, but season seven, though, that makes it very frustrating. 
And like, I agree with you, but it's just like, it's, it's not fair to the audience who was told this story, who got emotionally invested in this story. And then to be like, yeah, but a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. And we're going to just undo it immediately. The audience who maybe didn't know at the time that Amy didn't write season seven. Like, right. I don't even know when that became like super public knowledge. I mean, obviously you can like look it up if you really wanted to, but like, I think she's still credited as a producer on the show in season right. seven. So like, I don't know when that became a big conversation that she quit season seven. People might not have even been aware of that when your life came out. Mm-hmm. Like before the internet and Reddit, like I don't know how much people were like talking about writers of shows at length. I could see even like missing that a writer left a show if I wasn't like looking for it in the cast. But all that being said, all the gripes that, you know, I'm a cranky guy. I am going to complain about stuff. I will say there are some moments in here that you're like, yes, this is what we've all been waiting for since season one. And you did it. Thank you for doing that. Luke and Lorelai storyline. Thank you for putting a bow on that for us. Oh, yeah. And like some of the closure Rory's going to have with some other characters is like, thank you. I'm glad we did that. And the ending is uh, interesting for sure. So I will say that there are some things I really liked in this. Yeah, for sure. This episode overall, I think, is kind of great, too. Like, just as a standalone, you know, like, don't take into account some of the stuff that doesn't make sense. There's a lot of really fun stuff, a lot of beautiful scenes, great acting. We cried, like, several times. Didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, I cry. You didn't expect to cry? You've seen it. I didn't really remember. I mean, I knew that certain scenes happened, but I didn't, like, remember the emotional impact of them. And I also, when I watched this the first time, I hadn't just rewatched the show. So I was armed with more of the knowledge from the original series going into it this time. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we dive into everything, we do have a couple other things we'd like to address. Yes. In the Italy episode, where we just talked about our trips, I think it's around the 17 minute mark. I say something like, okay, Brian, let's talk about it. I must have mumbled the B. Because a couple of people have pointed out that it sounds like I called you Ryan. <laughs> I listen to it. You? It kind of does, but I just want everyone to know I know his name. There's no Ryan. It wasn't a Freudian slip. Wait, just... is there is there a conspiracy theory that you're like cheating on me with someone named Ryan? No, but some of the questions were like, whoa, did she say Ryan? I'm like, this, this. Who is this stoner that's commenting, whoa, man, are you serious? Does she not know her partner's name? <laughs> I think the B just got a little... I don't know. I, I, I hear it a little bit, but I totally get why it gave people pause. So I'm so sorry to Did everyone. you say gay people pause? Gave people pause? There was a lot of gay people you pause. You need to announce Most. <laughs> I don't know why all these gay people are pausing when you say my name wrong. Our gay listenership really <laughs> dropped that week. It was. <laughs> they were mad. I was listening for Brian, and so I'm out. I apologize to the gay community. I do, too, for that voice I just did. I don't think it was offensive. <laughs> this is not a stereotypical gay voice, but it is a voice that I did. All right. Well, we apologize. We're good. Uh, another thing we'd like to address is we got a comment about our bidet usage. Now, I'm sorry. This is on a huge delay because, remember, we are doing these every two weeks. So we are right. addressing comments from the previous podcast that we put out. But we are aware that in the meantime, a whole other podcast has come out. But we didn't record this then. So they were listening to our story about the bidet. Remember, we were confused about like how involved your hands need to be with the cleaning of your butt? Right. They said, you don't touch your poop with your hands. You clean yourself first with toilet paper, then move over to the bidet. It's a common thing as we normally only have one shower day when busy. It's not like you can have a shower every time you poop. 
And yes, it's great for feet too. Hope this helps for next time. So I, I still think this is not, not mm-hmm. something I want to do. So in this person's scenario, we talked about this. They're like, I, we poop. Europeans are busy. Sure they are. Uh, <laughs> they got to fit a lot of stuff in between their mandatory naps. They do have a lot of scheduled <laughs> naps in various European countries. I am kidding and making, and, and making light, of course. So you're saying that you wipe your butt, but it's still not clean enough so much so that you need to douse it with some water and soap. So why, if your butt's not clean from the toilet paper, then it's You're dirty. still touching poop then. like poop yeah, if the, remnants. If the toilet paper's not enough, you're still touching nastiness with your hands. Now, if I'm being totally honest, okay, if I'm just being honest, I get it. Then you wash your hands. Theoretically, you're safe, right? You're all clean. But like to me, it's still gross. But like I get... At the end of the day, you have clean butt, clean hands. Because at some no point, problem. you got to pull up your pants. When do you wash your hands? You're just waddling around the bathroom with your you pants You got to waddle down. over to the sink. Or you know what? That's not true. You just got to turn around and wash your hands in the bidet. <laughs> so I guess it's not, you don't have to waddle. You just got to turn. I just want to point out, we too shower approximately once a day in the U.S. But um, we just aren't doing the part where we get our butt clean enough, I guess. I, and I have heard that. You know, people that have spent time in Europe think we don't clean our butts enough. I think the truth is American toilets are just stronger and more robust at flushing, taking it down, getting rid of the evidence. (laughs) But what does that have to do with how clean your butt is? Well, American. Taking it down. (laughs) I think that, you know, some people out there, and I am lactose intolerant, so I would be in this group, have, uh, well, I have... Toilet time that is that that requires quite a cleaning. (laughs) And in Europe, you're like, cool, I'm going to splash a stream of water in there. But here we can use moist, flushable towelettes. The thing is, I don't think those are actually supposed to be flushed. They say flushable. I know, but I've heard that they're bad for everything. What I've heard is that what has to happen is that at the waste management facility, Somebody has to go in there every once in a while with like a, a rake and like clean all of the wet, the the wipes up. And he loves that work. And why would we want to take that away from him? That's a job, right? <laughs> so I don't understand why we would get rid of it. This is one man's whole job. To if get you want to ruin that guy's career by stopping this, <laughs> fine. But my point is, I think that they just can't do that there because if you flush like a Kleenex in a European toilet, the entire building will flood. You got to like revive the ghost of some Roman ancient (laughs) aqueduct man. To do what? What is he doing? To get the ancient Roman rake out. Right, right. I guess in summation, maybe Americans don't clean their butts well enough. But it seems like you still got to touch some poo if the initial toilet paper is not enough. In which case... It's just a lot of extra work and waddling for me. I'm going to say that my American butt is pristine. I use an entire sleeve of moist Talouettes every shit. So (laughs) I'm keeping a man employed. I'm supporting my local community by purchasing one of these twice a day. I have two big poops every day. (laughs) Okay, that's an exaggeration. This is love, guys. This is why you've left me for Ryan, I feel like. He has very (laughs) clean private shits. Yeah, Ryan's got a... Great, bud. All right. We have a five-star review from Apple Podcasts. I don't know if we deserve a five-star review after that conversation. Well, it is, we just it is just the one. It is <laughs> all the way from Germany. Thank you so much to Kika and Abdi. Thank you. Thank you. 
I don't know if that's two people, but if it is, they love how our neighborhood is pretty much a character in our podcast, which is very Start Hollow. That's interesting because we just had a weird building thing happen in the wee hours of the morning. Yeah, I am super tired right now because I got no sleep around 6 a.m., although our neighbor insisted it was 4.30 a.m., so I don't know if she got a what? second visit or what. Yeah, it was definitely 6. We start getting like a knocking at the door. Like if we wake up to knocking and you're like, there's someone at the door. And I'm like, what? What? Don't open it. He's like, I'm going to go. I'm like, no, they might shoot you. They're just not going to shoot randomly through the door. Like, I'm just here killing people. Someone in our neighborhood got like attacked in the middle of the night when they answered the door. Well, I agree with you that I I didn't open the door. And if I had opened the door, I would have done it with the chain on. But I, I wouldn't have opened the door for anyone that looked at all intimidating on the other side. Our floors are just very creaky and I can hear you approaching. I was enjoying pretending we weren't here or hearing them. But I was just like, what is happening? And so I go to the front door across the hall. I see her knocking on someone else's door and they've got like a little buzzer on their door. So she's just like constantly buzzing on this door of our superintendent who's across the hall and this family with a buzzer. And so she's knocking, buzzing, knocking, buzzing. Finally, both the woman across the hall and our super answer their doors. The woman across the hall has been a subject of some of our stories in the past, too. There was like a laptop fight. This is the people who you maybe got in trouble for giving them a note about their dog. Well, I'm not the only one leaving dog notes, though. They've gotten (laughs) plenty of notes about their dogs from other people. I've seen them. But yeah, she's got a whole host of her own issues. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I ran into them today, the neighbors, and discussed what I heard. So she's all like, hey, I'm trying to reach my boyfriend. He's on the fourth floor. He's not answering his door. He's not answering his phone. So I, I, I want to call him, but my phone's dead. Can you charge my phone? I'll give you my phone. Can you charge my phone? Can you, yeah, just please. Both of them are like, no, what are you doing here? Like, you're, you're just knocking on strangers' doors to charge your phone? Like in the middle it's of the night? 6 a.m.? The one woman's like, yeah, you can't keep buzzing. My kids are sleeping. Like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm sorry. I just, I'll give you my phone. Just charge my phone. Just charge my phone. Finally, the superintendent is like, you need to leave right now. I'm going to call the police. You need to leave. And so the woman's like, oh, and then she leaves. But then as I start to walk away, I hear her coming back. And so I look at the people again and she goes back to the woman. So she's like waited for the superintendent to go back inside. And then she just starts buzzing her again. She answers the door. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? My kids, are, you can't do this. And she's like, my boyfriend, he's not answering the door. My neighbor's like, yeah, maybe he's not there or doesn't want to talk to you. She's like, I need to just, just charge my phone. Just charge my phone. And finally, she's like, no, you got to go. And then she just leaves. And then I guess she runs into someone. I don't know how she got into our building. Someone wants to let her in. But then she, on the way out, sees a guy and is like, could you charge my phone? He's like, no, but I'll call your boyfriend for you. And then the woman's like, Ugh, and then like walks away. So what the fuck is happening? So this woman who they say is drunk, she sounded kind of drunk, but I couldn't see. But they say she's drunk. She's coming in to this apartment complex where she says her boyfriend lives. She didn't say anything like, I need to get a ride home or I'm lost or I'm in trouble. She's just like, charge my phone for me because my boyfriend's upstairs and he's not answering his door. Number one, just go to CVS. There's a 24-hour CVS near us. Just go in there or go to a bodega and have them charge your phone. You don't fucking just start knocking on strangers' doors at 6 a.m., waking them and their family up because your phone's dead and you're drunk. Yeah, I'd have to be in like such a crisis to start waking people up in the middle of the night. If there were some like circumstance that she verbalized, like... My kids are at home and I, I thought there was a babysitter with them, but they're not. And I just need to make sure they're okay or something like that where it's like, I need this phone for this reason. That is very important. Maybe. Or obviously if she's like, I'm in danger, I'm hurt. Sure. Absolutely. You can knock on a door, wake someone up. It's a circumstance that requires that. But if it's just like, I'm drunk, my boyfriend's not answering his door, I need my phone charged. You are a bad person by waking these people up, especially when that woman's like, my family's asleep. What are you doing? 
Yeah, it's like not anybody's problem that your boyfriend doesn't want to talk to you or isn't home. (laughs) Yeah. But also, it's just so bizarre. Like, my neighbors and I were wondering, like, is there some other alternative motive? Like, she wants to get the phone in the house for some reason. Like, when the guy offered to call and that wasn't good enough. She must have, like, needed her phone charged for some other reason and was coming up with a story. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems so bizarre or like why wouldn't she knock on the doors of the people around her boyfriend right like be like hey you know me you've maybe seen me walk in here it's my boyfriend eric he's is he not home like i'm trying to get a hold of him do you guys have theories about what she wanted i could see her like hey charge my phone and then like hey you stole my phone i don't know the super's wife is like oh she's a prostitute 100 percent. i don't know why she feels that way or what she would have to gain by giving you a phone as a prostitute but that's her theory This is also the wife of the man who says women don't know anything. So So maybe she's totally wrong. They might just have some backwards theories in that household. I said this before, but I like the idea that he's not like misogynistic. He just doesn't have a lot of experience with women. So he just attributes anything unique (laughs) about his wife to all women. Women hate the color purple. Women don't know how to make spaghetti. Women do know how to make pierogies. (laughs) I saw him at the grocery store the other day buying just like so many red bell peppers. And that was all... Maybe she was out of town and he was making dinner for himself and he really likes them. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long story, but like, what the hell was that woman doing? It was it ruined. My, I couldn't go back to sleep. So then I just played video games. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a win-lose. Lose-win. Let's talk about Gilmore Girls. Let's do it. Brian, will you summarize fall? Lorelai is wildin', but she can't wild, right? <laughs> Lorelai is like trying to find herself or like, figure out what the plot's supposed to be for her at the beginning of this episode. And then she remembers that everything's fine and that she can have her life back together. And she goes Mm. back home and gets married to Luke while Rory gets permission to make a book out of her life (laughs) and uh, decides that she's going to be a single mom. Yeah. Yeah. Suki's there. And Emily. Yeah. And then Emily moves on from Richard and becomes her own woman who's different than the woman she used to be. And whales are a part of it. But also this may be um, about Gilmore Girls, the series. Like this might be real and it's setting up that the series we just watched of Gilmore Girls was the book that Rory's writing. I That's my theory. Don't you think she would leave out the details of cheating on everybody? No, because the show goes out of its way when she's talking about writing a book about making sure that you expose the warts and all. Sure. Because she's writing that book for that English woman and she's all like, warts and all, warts and all. And there was another reference to warts and all too from, I don't remember what, but there was another reference to it. So I think that was setting up, Rory's going to write this book and she's going to keep in the warts that she got from Dean. But she tells Dean that she won't put in too many of his warts. Does she? I don't think she does. I think she just says like, she, she's just telling him the positive stuff she's going to say about him. Okay, but he's like, don't make me look too bad. And what are you going to say when she says what she's going to say? I mean, I guess the whole town knows about it. So what's a few more people? Yeah. I mean, I think with the whole Dean and her thing, she ends up looking worse than him, even though what he did was wrong, for sure. Oh, I don't know. I think in the grand scheme of things, he looks a little worse because he like tricked her into thinking it was over with Lindsay. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Any whose ways. The whole series may or may not be Roy's book, but I think you could definitely view it that way. All right. So we should start talking about the episode. We're putting it off because then it's over and we don't know what that means. I know. There's a lot about this episode that I'm going to pick apart at the start, but it really starts to pay off a lot of the feel-good emotions and the things that we loved about it come a little later in the episode. So don't get too bogged down if I'm negative up top. 
the show delivers later all those emotional tear-jerking moments later. So the episode starts with Lorelai wilding or trying to wild. If you guys don't remember in the last episode, she told Luke that she's going to go do the book Wild, which is about a woman who's like getting over her divorce and mom's death and like goes to hike some trail. And I guess they made a movie out of it. I had never heard of this. So Lorelai's like, I'm going to do a totally different Lorelai thing, a totally out of character thing. I'm going to go hike a trail. I know me, Lorelai. It's insane. And she leaves Luke, who is just like, sure, this is a sign that she's like bolting and is going to leave him. So he's all disheveled and sat at home. She is trying to wild. And it starts with her at the hotel room. She calls Luke, checks in with him. I think to let us know that this isn't about her necessarily being like it's over with Luke. Because she's talking to him, like letting him know what's up, leaving him a message. But we have kind of a fun comical bit where she's like trying to pack her bag and it can't. There's some like physical comedy to it where it's clear like someone is under the bag. You can't see it. But like pushing the contents out, like the contents are like trying to explode out of the bag. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So Lorelai tries to go to the trail, but the park ranger's like, hey, guys, uh, just FYI, the weather's going to be super bad. You shouldn't go. Like, you'll probably die. He makes a reference to how, like, it'll be bad visibility for people who want to throw their shoe. I guess that happens in the movie, and a bunch of people get sad about it. There's a running bit here where there's this big divide between the movie Wilders and the book Wilders. That's pretty funny. It's pretty funny, and we had this eclectic group of women who are all doing this for the same reason. They're all processing a divorce or a death or, like, some other thing in their life or all of the above, and they're trying to do this trail hike to, like, find themselves or to process these things. Both park rangers in this episode are significant. The first one is Jason Ritter, who is uh, Lauren Graham's love interest in the TV show Parenthood. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he also plays a love interest of Alexis Bodell in some other thing. But we're going to meet another park ranger who's played by Peter Krause, who is Lauren Graham's long-term partner until somewhat recently. But at the time this was shot, they were real partners. And there is some sexual tension. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I would have been happy if she just ran off with him. Sure. Bye, Luke. These scenes with the different Wilders is pretty funny. I've dubbed them Wilders. Just how they are doing things differently. Most of them don't go on the trail that day because of the weather. So they have an extra day at this hotel. All the movie Wilders are just like outside watching the movie on a laptop. Yeah. Which I think is funny because they're like rugged, but they're just all watching the movie. While the book readers are all drinking boxed wine and like sharing stuff. And they kind of ask Lorelai like, oh, are you going through a divorce? Does your partner suck? She's like, no, my partner's pretty cool, actually. And she doesn't seem to really articulate, at least to my satisfaction, why she's doing this. She just feels, like, stuck or, like, the world's moving on without her. And honestly, this is my biggest problem with this because I don't really even understand what her problem is. This whole season has been this, like, Lorelai and Luke aren't jiving. Why? And I don't know the answer. Well, she says in this scene that the whole world is moving and she's standing still. She also mentions that the clock is ticking. So I think she does kind of want to have another kid. But she doesn't, she doesn't push for that at all. No, because Luke really doesn't want it. Um, yeah, but she they doesn't... They don't bring that up again after this. Exactly. They don't bring it up again. And she doesn't specifically say, like, I want a kid, my partner doesn't. It's like it was brought up in the first episode and then sort of like, oh, that's maybe under the rug, but, like, we're done with it. And it, it's, it's one... Luke is the kind of one that's like, yeah, I don't want to do it. She's like, okay. I don't even think it's clear to her in the first episode that she wants to do surrogacy. I feel like she's like dipping her toe in the water and seeing if it's right for her and she's not sure. Luke's like, it's not right for me. And then she drops it. We don't see her bringing it up again in the, previous, in the next episodes or like confiding in someone else about it. She's just sort of like, okay, we're done with that. 
I think she's just stuck. I mean, she's lost her best friend. She's fighting with her daughter. Her daughter's not doing great. Her relationship is kind of bad. Her relationship with her mom is bad. Her dad, who her relationship was complicated with, like suddenly died. Yeah. And she never really got on the best of terms with him unless you count the end of season seven where he said he was proud of her. But Amy doesn't know about that. You know what I mean? Just I, I feel like everything in her life is like falling apart. Like her career is kind of stuck. She can't expand the end. She's losing Michelle. So I, I think you're right. She does just want to run away from all that. Well, another way to look at this, though, is that she's got a loving partner at home that takes care of her all of the time. She has a thriving business. It's true that Michelle's leaving, and that's sad. It's true that she maybe wants to have a kid, and or maybe doesn't. She's not sure about what she wants to have with a kid. But again, that's on her. You guys have, Amy, I'm sorry, you could have had the kid seven years ago. It's silly that she and Luke just never had a child when they talked about it in the series over and over again. But uh, I, I get why she's upset. Now her daughter wants to, like, write about her life, which she doesn't think is good. I suppose. I get Well, the, the reason that this bothers me isn't that she's got this ennui or melancholy. It's just the way it's resolved. And we'll get to that. So she... It's funny when they're, like, all guessing what's wrong with her. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of funny stuff here, though. As much as I'm tearing apart the whole thesis of this, there's plenty of funny stuff. She eats a meatball that's freeze-dried that she hates. She ends up uh, giving up on packing everything and just starts duct-taping stuff to her bag. I thought that was funny. And then she goes the next day where a park ranger's like, where's your permit? And it's somewhere in her bag. This is Peter Krause. Yes, and she can't get it out. And he's like, you can't go on the trail without your permit. And then there's this, like, flirtatious energy between both of them. Lorelai previously has done this when she wants to manipulate men, where she, like, compliments them. So it's within her character. But it's clear that these two actors know each other. They have good chemistry. But he ultimately is like, you can't do it. So she's sad. She goes to get coffee or maybe barbecue, but she says coffee. <laughs> There's a sign and the place serves both. She just like goes behind this place and then just like sees nature in such a way that strikes her as beautiful. And then she has an epiphany about her father. All of this is meant to be super impactful. And the acting in this scene is super impactful. And the relationship mending and how it affects Emily is impactful. But, like, I don't buy her epiphany. We'll get to that. So she calls her mother after, like, looking at some nature and feeling struck by it. She calls Emily and just immediately starts launching into a story about Richard when she was a kid, how he comforted her and took her to the movies and was there for her for her birthday when she was really, really sad. And it was a great memory she has of her father. Now, this is, of course, paying off. Previously, at the funeral for Richard or at the wake, they're all going around telling stories about a good memory they have of Richard. Emily asks Lorelai. She can't think of one. And this is why her and Emily are so estranged this season, why there's so much tension, because she couldn't even think of a single good story to say about Richard at his funeral. So this is her, like, here's that memory, Mom. Emily, by the way, is in bed. This is like a thing now. She's a different woman. She's It's noon. Who knows what time? She's in bed. <laughs> it's probably early in the morning, in California at least, because the coffee shop's not open yet. So it could be like six or seven in California, but that does make it like 10 in Connecticut. But they've already set up that Emily's sleeping in. Yeah. So Emily just hears the story. and She's like, thank you, Lorelai. And Lorelai hangs up. That is so well acted. Lauren Graham is great in this. Emily's great in this. This is probably one of the scenes that we were crying at. Yeah, because it's all one take, too, or a lot yeah. of it. Like, there's a lot where it's just on her face telling the story. It's a yeah. big chunk of dialogue. But I, I have to say that, like, what she was inspired by her surroundings to remember a story about her father. Like, there's yeah. no way that story wasn't in her head. She said it was my best birthday ever. You didn't remember that until right now? Yeah, I don't really get how some pretty hills triggered that in her, but 
No, it's it's it just seemed like they were like, and then this part of her story's done. Let's get her back to Stars Hollow. Like it really didn't understand what was happening that triggered her to have this memory. Also, the story like was fine. It doesn't paint Richard in my mind as like this amazing empathetic father, which I guess is maybe true to him. He's like, my daughter's crying a bunch. She's sad. I'll take her to a movie. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like him throwing money at the problems because he like bought her a pretzel and took her to some movies. But he took her to a movie for her and one for him. So it's this weird, like, he's still getting something out of it. He also, like, gave her a sweatshirt to, like, hide the fact that she was wearing Emily's special sweater. Right. I'm confused why he was at the mall. Like, did he know to go there to look for her? Or, like, did he just happen to go to the mall? Because Lorelai says he never goes to the mall. Well, he was there. He wanted a pretzel with mustard super bad. Saw his crying daughter and handed her his food. It's a sweet story, but there are some holes in it, perhaps. But I really, we had this whole big buildup about this whole season. It's like, I can't think of a good thing about my father. Then like, oh yeah, here's a story because I saw a hill and this hill is real pretty. I know people get inspired by nature, but it just seemed kind of like convenient and like, okay, and we're done with this now. Yeah, the wilding thing was a little added in. Then she takes this pack full of shit that she bought. This is like a grand, two grand worth of stuff. I don't know. It's like hundreds of dollars of stuff at least. She just leaves on the ground and is like puts a free sign on it and leaves. Why, why Lorelai? Well, she probably doesn't want to take it back on a plane. I guess. It's just like we went from Lorelai struggling to like make it day to day with her finances to just dropping hundreds of dollars on the side of the road. I don't know that she's struggling day to day right now with her finances. No, she, she I agree. But like in the show, there was a point where she was. Sure. I don't know. I think... It was a good way to say goodbye to this backpack that's been a big obstacle for the first 20 minutes of the show. Sure, sure. Well, meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Luke is a wreck back home. He's at the diner. He seems to be like almost in a daze. Jess comes in because they're going to rescue Liz and TJ. They're going to do like an intervention at the cult. And Luke is just like, you know, it seems sort of out of it. You know Luke's out of it because he's not yelling at his customers. They've all figured out the Wi-Fi password and they're all eating like a quarter bagel each and having a single coffee and staying there all day. So Luke like isn't yelling at them, which is bizarre. Jess is like, something's wrong with my father figure. I need to talk to him. So he sits Luke down like forcefully and is like, what's up? Luke's like, oh, Lorelai's going to leave me. I can tell. There's some jokes about bad communication. And Jess is like, let's have dinner tonight. And then he rips out the Wi-Fi and everyone immediately is like, oh, my Wi-Fi's out. And it's funny. But Jess agrees that it sounds like Lorelai is going to leave Luke. Yes. I don't know that it necessarily means that. Just because I don't she... know. I don't know. Lorelai going on a hike without Luke, who's like a big outdoorsy guy. She called him and left a message, though. He maybe missed that. He's not good at phones. Yeah, that's true. But he, didn't, he also didn't tell Jess that. True. Jess, though, can we talk about Jess? Jess in this show, in this like iteration of the show, in A Year in the Life, it's just this, like, deus ex machina character that just, like, walks in and solves people's problems and, like, gives sage wisdom to everybody. He cares now. He's grown. He's beefed up a ton. All the men in the show have beefed the hell up. He goes to a gym where they give you muscles and wisdom. <laughs> Lift these books, Jess. There's a couple funny things here. Like, Luke says oops, and <laughs> Jess is like, you're not a guy that says oops. I don't like this. Luke is like, she's keeping things from me. I'm keeping things from her, which is just like what the show said. Their only problem is they keep secrets. That's the whole Gilmore scenario. I kept information. It's going to blow up in my face for keeping it later. But this all gets resolved. Lorelai comes home from Wilding. Wait, wait, wait. We got to talk about Paul Anka. <laughs> yeah. Luke is preparing dinner for him and the dog. A steak. Yeah. He's like, 
I'm not going to blow on it for you. That's only a Lorelai thing. It's ridiculous enough that I like make this for you. I'm not going to blow on it so you can eat it faster. And the dog just like taps him on the leg to be like, yeah, you are, buddy. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> yeah. They've set that up that Luke's cave into this dog previously, too. Lorelai arrives home and she's just like, hey, I want to I tried to do the hike. It didn't work. And I've been thinking about a lot of stuff. And Luke just cuts her off because he's like, no, I know you're going to leave me. You can't. We've been through too much. He has a really impassioned speech about all the things they've been through together. It's pretty good. This is a nice heartwarming scene where he's like pleading with her not to leave and that he's the best for her. You know, he admits he's not perfect and he's hard to live with. But like, you know, he says the thing about his character we all know, right? He's like, no one. It's actually a weird fucking sentence. He goes, no one's going to be there for you more than me. Like, what is that? Okay. (laughs) It's like a Trumpism. Yeah, or it's like an AI was describing Luke's character. <laughs> Nobody's going to be there as much as I'm going to be No there. one will be there for you, Lorelai, more than me. <laughs> then she's all like, no, I was thinking maybe we get married. He's all like, huh, what? Okay. And they're going to get married. And he goes and finds a ring, and they're going to be happy together. It's, it's a nice scene. It's heartfelt. It's nice that Luke interrupts her because we get to hear his feelings. He's not a good communicator. So that was nice. And then, of course, the ending of her being like, no, actually, the opposite of that. I want what you want. Let's get married. Yeah, I liked when he said, like, I'm never going to leave. Like, this is all I ever want. This is, like, what I always wanted and <laughs> couldn't possibly hope for anymore. Like, that was really sweet. Yeah, he's like, you think I'm unsatisfied, but I, I am satisfied. There was also the part where he was, like, listening to issues they had. And he was like, you wanted me to sleep with all those women? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, I just, okay. He, how stupid is Luke? Referencing the surrogacy thing when he yeah. didn't understand how the baby was getting in there. But yeah, this was this was sweet. But then she says she's got the wedding like all set. Did she like stop by a wedding planner and like pick the date though? I guess. That seems a little like she should have checked with him first. Well, I don't know. Luke has a tendency to like not be great about planning this stuff. So maybe you gotta lay it all out for him. Yeah, she planned their whole first wedding. Yeah. So the ring that he gives her, do you think that's the ring that he gave her before? I assume it is. Cause he's like, I'll get a new ring. And she's like, No, 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 this one. Did we ever see her give him back the ring? I don't think so. Like, after she slept with Christopher? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we must assume it happened. It doesn't happen when she leaves him to go sleep with Christopher. Or when she tells him she slept with Christopher. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting that they haven't at least gotten engaged in all this time. Considering they were engaged. This is another thing where it's like Amy is just, like, ignoring all the time that's passed. Like, they haven't talked about marriage until now. They haven't got married. What were they waiting for? Yeah, I'm curious what she would have done because she made Lorelai sleep with Christopher. I don't know if it was her plan for Lorelai and Christopher to get married. Right. But season six ended with her and Christopher's bed. And I see a lot of people say this. I don't think it's true because of what I've heard from Valerie, the set costumer, that Amy like tanked the end of season six knowing she was leaving. I don't think she knew she was out until season six was very over because she was like supposedly still negotiating trying to get things done her way up until shortly before season seven would have started. So, like, I don't think she knew she was going to be gone. So mm-hmm. those rumors about her, like, tanking season six with, like, April and Christopher aren't true. Yeah, I, it didn't seem written like it was being tanked. No, that's silly. Why would she ruin her own show? Yeah, I don't know. Especially the ending. There's also something to be said here about Lorelai, like, you and Luke were struggling and you just abandoned him. And now you're back like, no, the solution is we get married. It's like, well, are you going to apologize for, like, abandoning him? Yeah, I feel like she didn't give him enough of her epiphany. Yeah, she should have been like, listen, I saw this hill. It was amazing. It put everything in perspective. You got to see this hill. Yeah, let's go check out this hill, man. It's it's really magical. 
I also left my pack there. You could probably use a lot of that shit. Uh, let's go. Yeah, could pay for our wedding with the thousands of dollars <laughs> I left on the side of the road. Meanwhile, this is their second meanwhile. Rory's got a lot going on. She goes to work where there's a bunch of locks in her door, by the way, which in Stars Hollow, I don't understand. Who's stealing from the newspaper? There is alcohol in the drawer. It's hard to come by. There's a bunch of like surreal things that start happening. She turns on her ancient computer and it just says, get ready. She looks out the window and I assume it's pedal, but I don't know. A pig runs by with a sign on its back that says, kick up a rumpus, kick up a rumpus. She's all like, huh, that's weird. And it's a pretty funny conversation she has with, uh, I don't know the woman's name, Doris. Esther? I don't know. Esther, I think. Esther. The old woman who's just always filing. Before <laughs> we called her out on it like an episode ago, like, you've never left that drawer. This episode, she's like, no, I'm filing. What else would I be doing by this drawer? She's like, you know what that entails. <laughs> and she's like, do you want me to leave the filing to come look at the computer? She's like, no, no. So Roy's all like, huh, curious. But then that night... A lot of weirder things start happening. And it, 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 it becomes almost like a music video we're watching or just like some kind of arty movie musical piece. Because as she's walking home, like a random guy on a unicycle goes by and he's like, something wicked this way comes. That's weird, but not so weird for Stars Hollow. That might be the guy who like warns people that Taylor's coming by their secret bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> could just be a clear distraction. But then there's a crow that just starts talking to Rory. <laughs> the crow is all like, Rory, Rory. She goes back into the newspaper where Esther's just got like a flashlight to her face. Was she coming from somewhere besides the newspaper? Because she runs into the newspaper after she gets spooked by the bird. It's not clear where she's coming from. I don't remember. It's, it's beautiful, though. It's like a gorgeous like fall evening. Cool vibes. There's like an effect they're doing, uh, like an aesthetic effect. I don't know how to describe it. It's like f like a fake fall, but like it seems intentional. Like the colors are, are specific choices. It looks really cool. But like I said, it looks like, sur like everything's surreal. It's like they're on a set, but like purposefully on a set. Yeah, Rory goes back to the office where Esther has a flashlight on her face and she very creepily says, In omnia paratus. And then she like double checks to make sure she said it right. Yeah, she's like, is that right? And looks at her phone. Yeah, I'm done. And then walks off. Someone gave her a script, clearly. Very funny. Then Rory sees some gorillas outside in steampunk attire. I don't know why we're doing steampunk, but I guess we why are. Why not? You love it. I love steampunk. Rory goes out and it's Colin and Finn and uh, the other guy. Robert, who, you know, was always great friends with them and equally <laughs> part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they just wanted like an extra voice. I mean, it's fine. He was there for several scenes, but like he wasn't really hanging out with them as much. He did hang out with them sometimes, but he wasn't like one of the core members of this group, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that just felt like they needed three voices to like fill out because this all of this dialogue that follows is so like bouncy. Mm -hmm. Like those three are always like just having their own little chatter while Rory and Logan are doing something. Sorry, yeah, I'm getting they, ahead. They always speak sort of like Alice in Wonderland characters, almost it's like fun. poems. Yeah, it is fun. I will say I could see this being pretty terrifying, quite honestly. Sure. If you're just like, what's happening though? Especially because Logan isn't among them at first. Like, why are you all here? Especially without Logan. This is weird, guys. Are you going to fucking kill me? Like, what is happening? But she's all like, ha, no, this is fun. We've all been drunk before. What's up, guys? What's the deal? <laughs> oh, yeah, because they're like snapping as they approach. Because the music music is starting to play, but I don't know if she hears that part. <laughs> <laughs> the crow is singing the music. That's not true. That was just a joke. 
Logan shows up and is like, things aren't going great for you. I ne- we needed to take you out. So then they have this like crazy drunken night of antics. And it's it's very cool to watch. Like I said, it's very much like a music video almost where they're just like having fun, set to music, doing like mischievous things. Like they steal stuff, like they steal some golf clubs. And when I say steal, it's clear they like leave money behind probably more than the golf clubs are worth. So in their mind, they're not really stealing. And they do fun things like they're hitting golf balls off the top of roofs. They go to doses and steal a bunch of stuff. I think they get high on brownies. So they specifically take wine from doses, but they make a big show of grabbing a box of brownies and showing it to the camera while the lyrics, I get high with a little help from my friends. Yeah. And given that they're doing this, like, we're having a crazy night of debauchery and living large, it would make sense that they are making brownies. But that's all we get is that, like, little mention, maybe. That's quite the detour, to stop somewhere and make brownies. Yeah. But I, you're right. But they're so rich, they could just pay someone to do it. Yeah, Lane's doing it. I mean, you could eat the brownie mix, I guess, but you need eggs for that. It's not like a snack, the mix itself. Don't you need like butter and heat to make it work? Yeah, I've made brownies once and, uh, and now I remember that bunny, uh, bunnies and heat. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just misspoke. They're bunnies, man. Ooh, man I they got were so, so heated. So they're just going throughout the town, being wild. They're like outside watching Kirk's movie while drinking wine and champagne. Actually, it was champagne from Dozies. Then they take a car. That's why I was like, how much have they drank? But maybe it was just the champagne. Could be. Then they take a car to somewhere. And they end up at like a speakeasy tango club that Colin ends up buying because he gets tired of the music. And then he like starts playing music you can't tango to because he's so rich. Some of this is very fun. Some of it's weird. It's all magical for Rory, right? Like she's been swept away to this like magical land of fantasy where because they ha- they're so rich they can do whatever they want their reverences are are celebrated at some point one of logan's friends says to finn isn't the girl you're with actually a guy and finn says only till next tuesday it's confusing to me here like is this trying to be like trans inclusive or is this just like a joke that doesn't make sense like wh- i don't get like it seems to me that there's a person who is a man who is going to transition to be a woman eventually and Finn is fine with that. Or Finn's gay and is just saying something. I don't know. It's just like a weird line that I'm trying to understand. I think it's the first thing you said. I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with Finn being into whatever. But the fact that the friend is like, isn't that a guy? Is like, well, do you not know that Finn does everything? He's like pansexual. Yeah. I feel like it would have come out by now. I buy that Finn is pansexual. Absolutely. The dude's hedonistic. I don't think he gives a shit. He's like trying to fuck a dead deer later. <laughs> Isn't your date a dead deer? Only till next Tuesday when I'm bringing him back to life. There's some other funny lines like, oh, there's a waitress like flirting with Robert and he's like, what is your name again? She's like, Doris. Like, oh, we can, we can fix that. (laughs) They're just, it's funny, but these guys are bad people. And like, we're sort of, once again, I'm sorry, but the show's like celebrating how rich they are and bad and irresponsible. Like it's fun and funny, but really it's like, no, these are bad people. These are sociopaths. Logan tells Rory, I did all this because I didn't like how we left things. I remember they like broke up because Odette, his fiance, has moved in, so they can't really have their affair anymore. And he gives her a key and is like, I know you want to write this book. Here's a key to this family house no one ever uses. It's got a maid that'll cook and clean and buy stuff for you. You can just go there and work on your book. Take this key. 
to me, this is symbolic of him being like, I want to keep you as my mistress still. Like, we still have this connection. We're still lovers if I give you this key. Yeah, I mean, even if he's not thinking that, she's still, like, in debt to him yeah. in some way. Like, he's not signing the cabin over to her. Right. Is his dad just going to randomly show up like he did in Cape Cod? Like, his family still owns the cabin. Absolutely. I don't know that he will ever plan on going there or really needs the key back, so maybe she never needs to see him again. But, like, there is that element of, like, I am keeping a little part of you by giving this to you. That's what it feels like to me. It doesn't feel completely altruistic. Like, I know you need this. I'm trying to help you because I love you so much. It feels a little bit like I want to keep you in my world. Yeah. I do think he wants her to write this book, though. I do, but I also don't think he wants her to, like, leave him. No, he fucking loves her. So no, sad. totally. Rory asks Logan, like, are you really going to marry Odette? And he's like, yeah, that's the great dynastic plan. And then she sort of, like, accepts that. We need to talk about that. But this is the first time we're hearing this. Yeah. I mean, I knew this. So, like, when, I don't know, that episode where Mitchum was there talking about him marrying some, like, rich French girl or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I, I get that this is the case. But, like, this is the first time we're saying aloud that he's marrying this woman because that's, like, what his family wants. And not because he wants to be with her. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of implied that he would rather be with Rory, but it's not clear that he's doing this just for his father and family business. But also, this whole interaction sort of like undercuts what happened in the previous season. Rory is so upset, like, you're really going to marry Odette? It's like, you, he proposed to you, and you turned him down. Like, why would he not marry someone else? You can't hold on to him forever. Like, that's not fair. Like, I don't understand what you want, Rory. Also, if like, you changed your mind, Rory. You could have at any point before he got engaged or his fiance moved in, you could have said like, hey, I've reevaluated my thoughts and I would be open to getting married now. But she doesn't. I almost think she doesn't want that still. But she's still upset that he's marrying somebody else. I get being like hurt on some level that you can't help. But for her, are you really going to marry Odette? Like, what is he? Of course. Why wouldn't he? It's confusing because I feel like they both like love each other so much. Maybe he loves her more than she loves him and she just enjoys sleeping with him. I don't know. Because I feel like their goodbye is like so sad, but he almost seems like he wants to leave less and she's just trying to rip the bandaid off. Yeah, I agree. So maybe she doesn't want to be married to him and is just like bummed that their thing is over. Sure. Because she's supposed to be kind of like her mother. Expand on that. Uh, like Lorelai has never really been able to commit to a man for very long. Sure, yeah. That's a good way to read it. I feel like the show tries to make Rory out to be not as bad this season or specifically this episode, but that it like maybe Rory is just being kind of selfish. She wants to have Logan but not to be owned by Logan or married to him. Yeah, because I don't think Amy's sort of reversed his character where he's like still part of this family and not like his own made man. Again, ignoring what happened in the last season. When did he get back together with his father's business? Yeah. So I don't think that Rory wants to be part of that necessarily. Like part of this money life, you know? I think she's got this little bit of Star's Hollow independence in her. Yeah. I'm guessing that's what Amy wants us to think. I guess it can be read, as we sort of alluded to, is that Rory is selfish. And she wants, she doesn't know what she wants, like her mother, like you said. And she just, yeah, she just wants Logan She does love Logan, but maybe she doesn't want to marry Logan. And so she's just selfishly like, oh, but I want, can't you just stay single for me in her mind? Like not really saying that, but like wanting that. We could see the way she treats Paul that like she doesn't treat her partners well. Yeah. She she almost doesn't care. 
They end up going to like an inn that they have bought all the rooms of. Which is just the dragonfly. A hundred percent. They just like threw some shit on the walls to try to change it. But it's like so clearly the dragonfly. They must have done all the dragonfly stuff and then did this last or vice versa. It's just so clearly. Same set with different The same set. They were just like put enough stuff on the walls that you can't really tell what it is. Rory and Logan, fuck. Whoa. They make love. Well, Logan's all like, I got you your own room because I didn't know how where you stand. And she's all like, where's your room? And she's like, show me. And then they bang. I imagine so. She wakes up in a robe and his shirt's all the way off. That means they banged. <laughs> you can't sleep in steampunk, hon. <laughs> but we have this emotional scene. Logan wakes up the next morning and she is staring out the window at fall. <laughs> Beautiful fall outside. Just like being melancholy. Logan comes up to her and she's like, hey, um, I'm going to give you back that key. I can't take this from you. I know where I want to write. He's like, really? You should take the key. She's like, no, 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 no. And then she's like, let's go get breakfast. And they, they have this talk where he's like, I, you know, the reality is I have to leave in a couple hours to like go back to London. Let's not think about that. And I felt this before. And it, it, it this actually really struck me. This like our relationship is going to end like it's got a timer on it. And, like, yeah. we don't want it to, but, like, it's gonna. Not everyone has these types of relationships, but sometimes, the you know, there is a timer on it. Either it's long distance and they gotta go, or one of them's moving and you're just gonna end it. And you're, you're, you don't want to count the hours, but, like, you do. And you're like, yeah. oh, I've only got four more hours. And you, you those last few hours together, you can't enjoy. Because it's, it's just slow pain of, like, this is every second is closer to you leaving. And right. so that, I felt that pain here. She's like, let's go downstairs, get breakfast. She starts to go downstairs, and we see Logan with the key, very sad. Also jacked. Dude is solid muscle right now. I know, and he had his shirt off. It wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah, you kept saying, like, I want to watch the scene again. It's emotional. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, it wasn't. He had put a robe on at that point. When Rory walks away from him, he's, like, legit on the verge of tears. Yeah. And the actor does a great job. And it, you could just tell that he's like so hurt that this was his last chance to hold on to Rory somehow. That's yeah, what how is I took it. his goal with this? Just to try to keep their affair going? I think so. Or does he want her to be like, don't marry her, marry me? And then would, can he change it? I think that's what he wants ultimately is either you'll be my mistress forever. I'm rich enough that that can make that happen. It's just or, annoying that they never address if he has the freedom to say he doesn't want to marry Odette. <laughs> Right. Like, right. does that mean he'll lose all his father's money? Right. It's not clear. I mean, all I could read is that he's keeping her around either in the hopes that she'll just be his side piece forever or that someday she'll realize that she does want to marry him and he'll make that work. He'll divorce her dad yeah. and he'll marry Rory. Like his dad has said he doesn't care about that. It was more like the grandpa and the mom. That was before they met Odette, man. She is a powerhouse money wise. Ice. <laughs> she runs an ice business. She's an heiress. To ice. She's an ice heiress. This is just a reference to some canon we made up about Logan's <laughs> grandfather in a TikTok. We'll link it. Dude loves ice. Just shake it around, Ace. Downstairs, Rory's like, actually, I'm not even going to breakfast, so this is goodbye. Then they all sort of like reenact the Wizard of Oz a bit. Yeah, she says goodbye to all three friends. Like, exact dialogue from the Wizard of Oz. And Logan is sad for all this. Again, he's like, you sure you don't want breakfast? He's trying to stretch this out as long as he can. She's like, no, no. And they leave and they're sad. I will say that, like, I don't know why. I guess hanging out with these guys when they have infinite money is fun. But, like, I don't find their antics that funny. Finn is fun, but, like, the other guys are honestly more annoying than anything else. And I just, like, hate that sort of rich, 
entitled piece of shit attitude. So maybe if you are fine with that, it's fun. But I, I wouldn't find hanging out with them fun at all. Yeah, Finn has some charm. He's almost kind of sweet. I don't know. His right, feels I agree. more like a facade or something. He almost seems like he's clowning, like he's doing yeah. a character. But like Colin is just like, I'm so rich. I just buy stuff all the time and like don't care. I guess I bought someone's business. Like it's just, it's disgusting how rich and unconcerned with reality these people are. But again, sorry, that's just my thing about class. And I'll talk at the very end a little bit more about that. But Rory and Logan say their goodbye and it's it's very sad. It's so sad. Yeah. He does that thing where he like puts the steampunk hat on her and like adjusts it and like moves her hair. And, like, almost takes a picture of her with his hands to, like, remember her this way. It is super sweet and super emotional. That reminds me, when we were first dating, you, like, we were just hanging out and you, like, thought I looked good or something. And you were, like, trying to memorize how I looked so you always remembered. Is that too intimate? No. Do you remember how I looked? I do. I committed that shot of you to memory. Oh. I remember the way the light was bouncing off your hair. And I remember the jeans you were wearing. And that's it for Logan. He's out of the show, and it's super sad. I do feel like it's a proper send-off. I actually did like the idea that Logan is trying to, like, hold on to her somehow. I thought that was all well played and made sense. We're telling this a little out of order. I think this was actually before the emotional Lorelai scene. So this was, like, yes. the first spot where I cried. I was like, oh, my God. They love each other so much. Why aren't they just beating together? I know. Well, I ask Amy. She's just decided that Roy doesn't want to be with him. They've just, like, invented these reasons they can't be together, but they clearly both want that. I mean, maybe Rory, like, like I said, doesn't clearly want that, but... But I, it's not clear why she doesn't want that. At one point, it was because, like, I have this open career. I don't want to be, like, pinned down. I want to be able to go wherever. Well, your career failed, and all you're doing right now is writing a book, which is not going to take forever. And maybe you have a specific place you want to write that book, Rory. Go do that. Logan's got enough money to visit you every weekend. And then when you're done, you can go live in his mansion with him. If that, if you love him this much, do that. Yeah. And the show has rehabilitated Logan. So it's not like, other than the fact that he's cheating on his fiance, which probably Rory's like, that's what I do. We're meant for each other. Did season six rehabilitate Logan, though? Yeah. But, I mean, even here, I feel like Logan is not acting in a way that's like, showing that he's immature still. He's like grown into the man that Rory wanted him to grow up to be. Right. So why does she not want to be with him now? I think there's something to be said where Rory could be like, I was just, you know, I just get so sucked in by the like fantasy world that Logan lives in that sometimes it's it's so seductive. But that's not what we're shown. I feel like we're shown that she really does care about him. But like for some reason she can't be with him because he's with this other woman. But like he would marry you, Rory, if you asked him. I've said this before, probably, but I'm so curious what Amy's plan was for after he went to London, since that's where she's got him. Like, he left kind of forcibly by his dad to go work for his company in London. Right. Would they have just struggled to make it work because Logan was getting sucked into rich life and Rory wanted to be Star's Halloween? I'm guessing, because that's kind of what's happening. I'm guessing, too, yeah. So they would have just dissolved eventually, despite loving each other? Yeah, I wish we could have explored more of this. But to be fair, Logan proposing seemed a little weird, too. Like, that kind of came out of nowhere and seemed like there's no way he would have needed to be married to Rory. Mm -hmm. I think he would have been happy living with Rory for a while while she figured out her career. I agree. So that's also a little flawed, but it did happen. And it's more annoying that we're not addressing that. Meanwhile, 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 Emily is in Nantucket at her summer home that she rents and will eventually buy if she hasn't already purchased it. She's there just having some drinks when her new beau, Jack, comes over. And it's clear immediately that she does not care about Jack. Yeah. 
they set up in the previous episode that he's also rich and she's like maybe dating him to get over Richard or she's just old and wants to find a partner. They've also set up that Emily's like, I'm a wife, that's my identity. And maybe she's just trying to fit that identity again. But she has grown a lot since the last episode. He comes over and she's like half listening to him. He's all like, I got to go into the city. And she's like, oh, cool, no problem. Clearly like, awesome, let's get you away from here. Let's get you to the city. He says like, oh, I'm going to miss you. And she doesn't say, I'm going to miss you too. She's like, yep, you're going (laughs) to. And then he says stuff like, you're so much more understanding than my previous three wives. And she's like, yeah, it would have been great if they were as understanding as me. And the shoes him off, leave my life. That line made us pause and have to discuss for like a while. Because you're like, are they married? Because the way he said that was like, I wish you were as understanding as my first three wives, implying he's her fourth wife. Yeah, or at least his fourth partner on the road to becoming his wife. And she is wearing a ring, which we were confused by, because we're like, maybe she's just not over Richard. But I feel like... If you're not over Richard, but you're having a man spend the night at your place, it's weird to still have your wedding ring on. Yeah, but I'm like, no way that they're married. Like, Lorelai would have freaked out about that. Yeah, yeah. But also, why are you wearing a wedding ring when your beau's spending the night? Like, that's weird. Maybe it's different when you're widowed. I don't know. You know, it's not like they broke up. He died. She still loves him. I feel like that's a different thing when you, like, lose someone to death. You can't fault someone for still being in love with someone they lost like that. I know, but, like, if you're like, hey, we're forging a new relationship, at some point you got to let go of that ring. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it would be a little uncomfortable. But we also went from the last episode of, like, her and him courting each other to, like, her just being like, yeah, whatever. He's around when I need him. He's gone when I don't want him here. Which, to me, is like, I don't know. I guess this is new Emily. This 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 episode has decided to change Emily significantly. We've already seen some of these changes, so it's not totally out of the blue. But it is a little out of the blue that she's like, okay, I'm done with this dude now, who I was hooking up with last episode. I mean, they had drinks on a porch together. I don't know that they were intimate. I have never had drinks on the porch with someone that didn't end in sex. <laughs> <laughs> I drink a lot of strong drinks uh, when I'm outside. I gotta stop letting you onto that porch. God, I wish we had a porch. Me too, man. I have not had sex in a bit. <laughs> he mentions to her, oh, I was going to take you to the whaling museum. Too bad I won't be able to. And then she, like, finds the pamphlet for the whaling museum and goes by herself and somehow becomes enamored, I guess, with whales while she's there. It's a very quick turn. She's just, like, listening to the guy talk about all the things they use whales for. And I guess this speaks to her somehow. I will say that I felt... On my second rewatch, or I guess my first rewatch, that this is maybe talking about Richard a little bit. Because, like, we kill this whale, this gigantic, enormous, imposing, majestic creature, and it's dead, but we use all of its parts for so many things. The reason I say that is because right after this scene where he's listing all these different parts we could use of the whale for different things, we cut to Rory in her car listening to a voicemail from Emily. Emily is like, hey, you 100% can use Richard's den. The house is empty. Go ahead and use it. That's the place Rory has decided she's going to write her book. And it seems a little bit like, oh, we're going to use some of the things from Richard's life. He's gone, but like he's still impacting all of us now. Like a whale. Like a whale. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. I never heard that theory before. Because then we were like, I mean, he's a big man and like his presence is like still affecting emily like the whale brochure you know (laughs) like i feel like there is something there but i don't know that it quite 
I agree, but it's also just weird that we focus on this whale and it becomes an obsession for her randomly, very quickly. Yeah. This next scene, though, is very emotional. Another one. Again, we pick these episodes apart, but like there are some genuinely very emotional, well-done scenes, and I think this is one of them. Rory arrives at the house, walks through the mansion, while we hear dialogue from previous episodes of them at Friday night dinner. We see, she sort of like sees them around the table with Richard there having Friday night dinner. All these memories are kind of like flashing back. We're hearing echoes of it. It's, it's emotional. And then she goes into Richard's study where Richard is behind the desk. Now this must be footage from a previous episode or they like cut him out and put him in there with CGI. It's obviously not him. The actor is dead. And then he disappears and she sits down and she starts to write her book. Couple things I want to mention about this. One, I, this, this is full circle in a really cool way because in like season one, when Richard's talking about like dying or something, he's like, "You can, what do you want in the will?" And he was he mentions his desk. He talks about how nice his desk is. And here she is. When does he say that? Sorry, he says that in season one. There's just like referencing about like the will or like him dying, and he references like, "Oh, you should you take my desk." To Rory? Yeah. Oh. Season one, episode six, Rory's birthday. Emily is telling Rory to, like, find stuff in the house that she wants in the will when they're gone. And Richard specifically is like, you should check out my desk. It's really nice. It's a really fine desk. And so I don't know that this was intentional, but it seems like that's – honestly, I don't think it was intentional because Gilmore Girls is very bad about that kind of thing. But the fact that it worked out is, like, kind of touching. Did you also notice there's, like, the portrait of Rory in the back? Yes. Rory goes up to the portrait of her father, the big imposing whale photo of him, and, like, touches it. It's her grandfather. Yes. Well, we don't know that. Um, we don't know mm-hmm. really what happened. Um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> that was, it got weird. I didn't really think about it before. I said it was it. the best birthday I ever had. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No. No. <laughs> no porch drinks for you tonight. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I did. It means it. And then Rory goes into the study where there's a big picture of her. Like a portrait done of her, which in a way is sort of like he was thinking about Rory all this time. You know, she was sort of a big figure in his life. And she starts her book. All of this was tear jerking. I'm like, we were crying throughout all this. It's, it's beautiful. It's very well done. Very well done. Well done, Amy. You got this part right. Oh, also when Rory's walking through the house, there's like a note from Richard on like a little chalkboard that Emily oh, left. Oh, yeah. It says like, like, for the love of God, cheese, Emily. Emily, I beg of you, cheese. Yes. <laughs> Oh. That's sweet because Emily didn't want to erase it, even though it was like a silly comment. Yeah, almost like mean, not really. You know what I mean? Like, like bickery, but like still aggressive. from him. I mean, it could have also, I could see leaving you that note, but I don't mean it passive aggressively. It's just like to remind you to get cheese. You forgot yeah. twice and like we've joked about it. Back at the inn, Lorelai is interviewing replacements for Michelle because remember, Michelle is leaving because they don't have enough money to pay for his salary and his level of expertise. This is all super funny because Michelle is super rude to everybody. This woman comes over. Her name is Molly Daniel. He hates that she has two first names. He says, your name is Molly. Why? (laughs) (laughs) He's also like, did you bring Kleenex? You're going to want to get those out now. (laughs) It's all very, very funny. Lorelai has to like talk to a plumber and go for a walk. I don't really understand the physics or the logic for this, but she's going for a walk and she happens across an old folks home, like a convalescent home that's being emptied by movers because the last inhabitant has died. Yeah, it was confusing because she, like, leaves the interview to take a call from the plumber. But then the next thing we see, she's, like, walking through town and stumbles across this place. Yeah. I think the scenes just happen to be next to each other, but it had nothing to do with why she was leaving. Yeah. 
I mean, I think it was just to be like, Michelle's leaving, guys. We need to solve that problem. Remember this? Now let's solve it. Yeah. She goes inside to find a bunch of nuns playing poker, talking about how much of a whore Katy Perry looks like. But they're like, yeah, we're going to sell this place. I think Katy Perry's good. Did they gonna- call her a whore? They say she dresses like a whore, but oh, she sure. pays with cash. <laughs> uh, and they inadvertently mention like two or three things that are probably going to drive the price down. There's like a bunch of homicides have happened there and stuff. And so Lorelai gets the idea of like maybe she could buy this place. It's too bad Kirk couldn't have sold it to her because I know he's got this great real estate business. That night, Lorelai gets woken up in bed by Paul Inca and a silent Rory at the door who beckons her downstairs. Then we have another sweet moment. Like, great moment where they do the choreographed thing where they, like, prepare food, like, silently. But it's this, like, again, they're estranged right now. They're fighting. It's almost like this peace offering of junk food. Yeah, like, when Lorelai goes down, Rory already has Chinese food out. And then Lorelai grabs some, like, Pop-Tarts and sets it down, sort of like, I'm matching you with a peace offering. And then they get coffee and ice cream. And then they hug. This is all silent. Like a long hug. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. She also gets out red vines. They're disgusting. We they are some... gross, guys. They were giving them away at the Gilmore Girls Festival in Maine. And woof. We each had one, and I think we're like, okay, I'm going to try another one. Maybe it'll get better. And it doesn't. It doesn't it's, get better. Like, who's not eating Twizzlers? Like, you, I get Twizzlers not for everybody, but red vines for nobody. I will <laughs> say gross. Twizzlers, I, I like Twizzlers. I can see how people might also think they're gross. Like, Sure, they, yeah. Kind of plasticky. It, it's a weird texture, but I think they're just so much more flavorful. The red vines are just all plastic. Red vines don't just taste like plastic. They taste like when something's been made of plastic from recycled plastic, you know? (laughs) Like those picnic tables that are just like plastic that's been just like put under a bunch of pressure so it's a solid object. That's what it tastes like. But they love them. But this moment is very sweet. Rory's like, hey, I've written the first couple chapters of my book. I want you to read it. And then you can tell me after having read it if you think I can publish it. Rory's like, I will not continue writing if you don't approve. She kind of goes on to say that, like, this has never happened to me before, but, like, the story just, like, came out of me. Like, it's almost like a sign that I was just able to write this. Like, the story's been in my head this whole time waiting to hit paper. Like, I feel like I want to really write this. We do find out that they have had some correspondence. Like, yes, Lorelai sent her an email at some point that was a bit of a peace offering. And Rory texted back. So Rory didn't just, like, break in in the middle of the night mid-fight. Right, which... Would have been fine, too. but I don't think they resolved anything, but there were olive branches, I think. Yeah, it, it would have been fine. But I think it was just a way to not have this scene be Lorelai rehashing that they got engaged. That was included in the email she sent her. Like, Rory already knew about all that. Right. Meanwhile, Emily is going through her own metamorphosis. She's at a DAR meeting that she clearly doesn't want to be at anymore. I think she's just over DAR at this point. They have this stupid bimbo, and they would call her that too behind her back. I don't feel bad about it. Named Serena, who's applying to be part of the DAR. She is like some rich dude's third or fourth trophy wife. Fourth. They met at Equinox, and she's keeping him healthy through juicing. And she's wearing a dress that's got her like boobs all up and ready, and like it's it's short. Up and ready? What what do you, would you call it? Smushed together? I don't know that I would have thrown the word ready in there. <laughs> Okay, readies. Okay, I didn't plan what I was going to say, but they are ready. They are up and ready. I mean, if you saw a pair of boobs, hers, and some that were just jangling about, which would you refer to as ready? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it depends what I'm doing. I get what they're going to be doing. That's fair. 
this woman is applying to be part of the DAR and all the DAR people are just like being really nice to her, except for Emily, who's just clearly like checked out. At some point, Emily just very loudly with her heels just walks across the room in front of everybody to go grab some snacks from the table and come back. The rest of the DAR is upset with this. You can tell they don't like it. And at some point, Emily's like, nah, this is all bullshit. You're not getting in the DAR. You're a trophy wife. Your best hope is that this dude dies and that you can inherit some of his money because you signed a stupid prenup. This is all a joke to us. We're never letting you in the DAR. We're going to make fun of you behind your back. You're just some big-breasted bimbo that this dude picked up. And probably this dude's in good health, especially with your juicing. He's going to go find some other younger bimbo, and you're going to be on the street. Ouch. All the women are like, how can you say that? It is true, though. But how could you say that? (laughs) Yeah. And then the woman leaves, and they kick Emily out. Of course, they do it in the same DAR fashion, where they're like, take some time and come back, a.k.a. you're done forever. And Emily's like, yeah, whatever. I'm leaving. This girl was in seventh heaven. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out who the hot and ready girl was. (laughs) (laughs) She plays Shelby in seventh heaven. Oh, I yeah, recognized Shelby. her face. You don't pretend like you never don't. seen it once. She was like a friend of one of the daughters. Just like a recurring friend. Anyway, carry on. This scene is great because Emily's saying all the stuff that I feel like we've kind of wanted to say about the DAR. She keeps saying the word bullshit. She's all like, yeah, we do all this. And then afterwards, we're going to buy some pre-colonial douche that maybe belonged to some famous person's proctologist. And we're going to be all self-satisfied, but it's meaningless. I loved all that. I loved her talking smack. We've seen her already sort of be checked out with the DAR when they had a meeting an episode or two ago. Now she's done with it. She's not going to be this wife anymore. I guess she's decided that that's not what her identity is, which is a nice change for Emily, that she doesn't want to be this wife that's not her role. I will say she's defended that role so many times that it's interesting that she's decided that that's not for her anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess because it's gone, she can process it now like what is she without that because i think she's had that sort of crisis before Mm -hmm. Uh, when jason was like trying to plan a trip to atlantic city instead of an emily gilmore party Mm -hmm. she felt very like obsolete Mm -hmm. i think she's this is something she struggled with occasionally but like never really had to confront I, i wonder if almost the phone call it was not the catalyst for all this like she needed that closure that richard was a good man and that her life had meaning and now she can do something else yeah That may be a stretch, but it wasn't until this phone call that she suddenly makes these big changes. Yeah, totally. But I don't know about what that phone call, I don't know that I can diagnose exactly what changed in her from this phone call. Again, there were seeds of this. She's been changing all season. I would never pretend she hasn't. But for her to just be like, nah, it's breaking point. And also, I don't need to be a wife anymore. In the last episode, it seemed like she was going towards, I I need to be a housewife. That's my thing. That's why I'm with this new dude. So I don't know. Then she learned about whales. Then she learned about whales. She's like, whales? I could be a person that talks about whales. I like when she was like, and then we meet some trophy wife with big hair and tits. That's you, honey. <laughs> I like that they're like totally fine with the fact that these these men just go through these trophy wives. Because she's like, he's very important to us and has like more money than God. So it's like fine. <laughs> like we're fine with him. He's got money. But when Emily exits, she does say, this whole thing died to me when Richard died. So... I mean, maybe there's something here about how, like, she and Richard created this world together where she was a housewife. And when you say housewife, it, it's, it was more of, obviously, the show showed us, it's more of a partnership than just saying housewife is, is too reductive, I think, to say. She took care of a lot of the things that Richard could not and made help make Richard the man that he was. 
And so maybe when they were together, essentially working this job of like accumulating vast amounts of wealth together, all of this made sense and was important. But once he was gone and she's essentially like not part of that job anymore, that like life career, then it doesn't have meaning anymore. And she can now see, I mean, I think she previously did see the flaws, but was like, but I got to play this game. But now she doesn't have to play the game. So she's like, yeah, whatever. It's very interesting. I mean, I wonder if the actor that played Richard hadn't died, like what they would have done with these Mm -hmm. two in the revival. That's a really interesting thought. Because that really is an interesting way to take her character. But I assume that if he was alive, he would have been a part of it. Mm -hmm. If he was healthy. Maybe they could have killed him off during it. Because I do still think that's very interesting to explore. And they'd set up that he had been having a lot of health problems. Although Amy only wrote one health problem. And she didn't even know about the second health problem. Yeah. Luke and Lorelai are preparing for their imminent wedding. Lorelai's like, who are you bringing? The only people you have on here are TJ and Liz, who, by the way, got kicked out of the cult because they're, like, too annoying. That's how they ended up getting out of it. This is all off screen, but that's kind of funny. TJ and Liz and Jess, and that's it. Not even Caesar. Caesar's going to run the diner. He's not giving him the day off. But she keeps pressing him, like, bring somebody or something. He's like, all right, I got one friend. It's Kiefer Sutherland. It's like the real Kiefer Sutherland. I kind of hate this only because they don't pay it off. <laughs> it's like, I would love to see Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yeah. I think I read something recently. They joke later about having flash mobs at their real wedding. I think I yeah. read that they did shoot that or like wanted to shoot it. Like they mm-hmm. That was on the in the script, but it didn't get mm-hmm. filmed. But yeah, Kiefer Sutherland would have been funny to see. Just like waving like Mr. Kim. Mm-hmm. But also this scene. Oh, my God, guys. You love it. While they're talking on the stairwell, Miss Celine just sort of like oozes down the stairwell into the shot. <laughs> she just appears suddenly. Talking about her Dina Durbins. <laughs> that means boobs. It's great to see her again. She's always super funny, name dropping, talking about how hot everybody is and how much of a hot girl she used to be. It, it's fun. I, I like that she came back for this little cameo. She slinks back upstairs and looks like, <laughs> how old is that woman? Yeah. Which is funny because Alex Borstein is much younger than the woman she's portraying. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Luke's list, though, doesn't include April? Yeah. What? April would definitely come to this wedding. I don't know. I mean, maybe she's stuck in Germany. Okay. Got her nose ring stuck on something so she can't leave. (laughs) She could afford to get there, but Gloria and Luke broke up. Who's going to pay for her to come back? Rory gets a phone call about meeting somebody. She seems, like, nervous about it or that it's awkward, and she leaves. We don't know who she's going to meet. She goes to meet her father. Then we have this weird, awkward scene with her and Christopher. What I will say about this scene is that they reference Buffy. Oh, yeah. He asks how she's doing. She's like, five, five, five. He's like, I don't understand this reference. She's like, oh, I did a Buffy marathon last night. Christopher has like caved and started working for the family business, which he doesn't have to do. He's like a multimillionaire or something, but he's working there anyway. And it's clear maybe he's still in love with Lorelai because... Rory asked him, are you still with Lana, with someone we've never met? And he's like, sure, why not? What the fuck kind of <laughs> answer is that? She's not Lorelai, but I might as well have a lady. I can buy anyone. Okay. It's a weird response. Why not? Is that what you say to her all the time? She'd go out, why not? Why not? I love you. Why not? Also, Gigi lives in Paris now. I figure she's probably about 14, but at some point, she must have decided to go live with her mother. Yeah. Amy is the one that sent Sherry to Paris and abandoned her daughter. Amy did not write that Sherry got Gigi curious again and invited her to come that one time. 
Oh my god, it was so hard not to spit coffee out my nose when you said "gg curious." curious. <laughs> <laughs> it's like holding it in so hard. You know, I'm getting a little "gg curious." Why not? <laughs> this scene, though, is so interesting to watch again. I know. I think after you watched it the first time, I was like, I think you'll think of it differently later, Brian. The scene I don't think is very good, to be quite honest with you. It's a little weird. It's, she just walks in and just like starts barraging him with some real deep questions while they're just sitting across from each other and they haven't talked in a little while. She's like, what was it like having mom raise me and not you? Like, How do you feel about all that? He's like, okay, what? All right. And she mentions that journalism didn't pan out and she's writing a book now and he's going to be in the book. And he's like, uh, uh, please don't make me like awful. Well, he says like, am I going to be like showing up smelling like sulfur? And she's like, I'm going to be honest. He's like, just no, I was stupid, but I loved you. Her response to that seems like she doesn't fucking love her dad. I get this vibe that she doesn't love her dad in this scene. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. But, like, I feel like a sort of disdain for her father here that, like, I don't feel like was in the last season. Which, again, is maybe an Amy thing. Sure. I mean, she's also had, like, ten years being an adult to process her relationship with her father. Yeah, the father that paid for her school. So. Right. But I think rewatching it, knowing that she's pregnant, she's obviously trying to ask him, like... Yeah. Do I tell Logan? The way I read it, the first time we watched it, again, me not knowing that she's pregnant. Spoilers, she's pregnant. It seems like she's just sort of asking him for permission to write about him in her book. Yeah. And like sort of like, that's why I'm asking these questions about what did you feel about this? Because that's going to go in the book. But when you rewatch it and you see the ending and you find out Rory's pregnant and it's clearly Logan's baby... Now it's clear that this scene is her essentially being like, I'm pregnant. I think I want to raise it without Logan by myself. And I kind of want to know how you feel about that because I want to know how Logan's going to feel about it and if it's the right thing for me to do. Christopher is clearly a stand-in for Logan in this scene. They had to give him a fucking job again for it to make sense, though, right? (laughs) Yeah, because he's got to be so busy with work. Yeah, he's trying to spend time with his daughter now as an adult, but he keeps getting distracted by work. And at some point, it's like, oh, I got to take this, ju- this phone call. It's super important. I have lots of money, by the way. But like work is more important to me than even my family, even though I'm saying my family is more important. And so it's clear that she's getting the go ahead from him. Logan, are you really going to marry Odette? Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> For now. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> I'm a duck. Why not? He sort of says, like, your mother was going to raise you, you know, like, maybe it was wrong for me not to do it. But, like, your mother was, like, a force of nature. And I think the end product, you, is, like, clearly amazing. So she did the right thing. I would have some other perspectives. Like, uh, I don't know. She treats her partners awful. She's super selfish and not aware of her own privilege. And she can't find a job, even though she went to Yale and, like, was the best at Yale. (laughs) Christopher does say... Lorelai raising Roy alone is supposed to be what would happen, and Lorelai would back him up on that, indicating, like, she's not upset that she raised you alone. Like, that's kind of what her plan was. Right. This still doesn't really explain it all, but this is, like, the closest we come to, like, ever explaining, like, why Christopher wasn't around, though. Yeah. And it, the answer is, like, Lorelai just kind of took it upon herself to do it all and didn't necessarily, like, ask for help. Yeah, it seemed originally that, like, Christopher sort of, like, semi-abandoned. And here it seems like Lorelai was like, yeah. nah, I don't want you. 
So it's unclear. When she like ran away to Stars Hollow, like what's he gonna do? Run away and to Stars Hollow too? Like they're if they're not a couple, right? It's unclear like when they broke up too, though. Like did they not stay a couple after Rory was born? I don't know. Maybe he like went to college and it sort of fizzled out. It's also this weird dynamic with Christopher that seems a little sloppy writing wise for me. Again, I don't love this scene. Is that Christopher is a a loser when the show starts? I mean, he's cool and he's smart, but he's a loser. Like he's got no money. And that's sort of like a running thing. It's like, you're unreliable. You don't have money. Not just that you don't have money, but like you seem to try to act like you have money, but at the end of the day, you don't have it. Then he gets money and it's like, ah, but that's your whole thing now is you got money and you're working at your job. It's like, all right, well, pick a fucking lane. Like what, what, what is the character supposed to do? Sure. That might be a bit too reductive, but she leaves this scene. He's like, we got to catch up, but it does seem a little uncomfortable. I don't know. Did you not get that vibe that it's just something, there's discomfort between them? It's almost like, She's really mean to Christopher, but, like, they've kind of worked through this already? I don't know. I don't know if they have. I feel I like the show the has had them work close. through this multiple times. Yeah, that's true. But I think she's in there with a mission, which doesn't really make sense upon first viewing. So I think on first viewing, especially, the scene is, like, weird and tense. Season seven, which didn't happen, I guess, as far as Amy's concerned, they worked through this. She makes a point of telling her mother, I don't want to ruin my relationship with my father by you marrying him. So it's clear that her relationship with her father is important to her at some level. And then here it's like, I don't know, it just seems awkward. Whatever. It is what it is. And rewatching it is so much more eye-opening, knowing that she's not going to, she's going to raise this baby alone. It does end, though, with, you know, her leaving because he's, like, taken a call and she can see that he is, like, busy with work, which I think is another thing that's giving her thoughts. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have Logan raise the baby with me because he's so focused on his career. Which is so confusing what the men are supposed to do in this series. Because her whole thing was like, Logan, you got to take life seriously. You got to like take your job seriously. And then he does. And it's like, but you're too into your business now. So now there's no way I could raise this baby with you. What? It is true he's got a wife now. Or he will have a wife. So it's more complicated. Something that's not really discussed either. Like she would totally blow up his life if she were to tell him. I feel like she will tell him. but It's totally unfair for her not to tell Logan. Yeah, because, because of the whole April thing. Yeah, we've already saw that. We saw how that hurt Luke. He has a right to know he has a child. It is going to blow up his life. Maybe if they were to write the show, I would imagine they wouldn't tell Odette about it. And he would sort of be like an angel investor, like taking care of his daughter from afar. What is an angel investor? Like the show Angel? That's just the thing I learned at my work. Oh, fancy. You work with a lot of secret fathers? I don't really know what angel investor means. Uh, sounded smart. But it's weird that she's like, you got to focus on your career. And then he does. And she's like, oh, but like you're so into your career. There's no way I could do this. She doesn't actually articulate all that. But seeing Christopher take all these job phone calls while he's like trying to be with his daughter, I think is supposed to be telling her and the audience like, yeah, you can't raise a, a kid with this guy who's obsessed with money in his career. Although we love Richard and he definitely was those things. So, <laughs> oh, man. It ended kind of sad because it just ends with like Rory leaving and then we like linger on Christopher's face being like, man, I wish I could be a better father. Who am I with now? Lana. That's right. That's right. Lorelai goes to visit her mother at her house. Emily is moving out. She's like, I sold this place. I don't need it anymore. I bought that place I was renting earlier in the episode. I just decided to be a big money lady, went in there and offered them a ton, way too much money and they gave it to me. Oh, yeah, she, like, paid cash and, like, just saw what the place across the street cost and offered them double, even though it wasn't yeah. for sale. She's going to, like, buy the place across the street, too. 
part of her change in attitude is she's like, I drink a sherry every afternoon. And I like that because it's like, are you a little bit like the sad Emily we met when you were drinking and smoking in your nightgown? <laughs> like, is it are you transitioning <laughs> into that woman right now? Lorelai proposes something to her mother. She's like, listen, I want to expand the inn like you mentioned in season seven, but we pretend that didn't happen. We can't because there's like protected forests you know, around me and stuff. I can't do that. But I found a place I want to buy and I need money for it. And I was wondering if we could use the money Richard set aside for Luke, who doesn't want a franchise. And I could use that somehow to franchise this. Once again, using all of the parts of the whale. And <laughs> Emily's like, I bet I can make that happen. I'll call the lawyer. But I want you and Luke in Nantucket three weeks out of the year. So it's sort of like their Friday night dinner deal. And you told me, I didn't pick up on this, that this is the same dialogue from like the first episode of the show. Yeah. Lorelai comes to ask them for money for Chilton. And I think it's Richard. It's like, you want money. And then Lorelai keeps trying to explain herself. He's like, so you want money. And then it ends right. with them saying like, I'll get the checkbook. So yeah, that's cool. And then they make an agreement in that scene too. Mm-hmm. It's like Buffy's ending where they kind of mirror the first episode. Yeah. With the chatter about how they're all doomed or something. How the world's doomed. Yeah. There's a lot of funny dialogue here, too. Like, Emily's selling the house, and she insists she tried changing things around in this one to make it feel right. And Lorelai's like, what has changed? Everything looks the same. And she's like, I don't, she says she, like, moved the drink tongs. She's moved a few little things. Yeah, the tongs. It's like, who would have noticed that? Yeah, and Lorelai's just like, it's barely different, Mom. And Emily's just like, Lorelai, go away. <laughs> <laughs> no chance Richard would have noticed any of this. <laughs> If he was alive. There's also something in Nantucket called the Sandcastle. I think that's the name of the other property she's maybe going to buy. She's named it the Sandcastle. Yes, yes, It was yes. originally called the Clam Shack. And, and she's, she's like, <laughs> Vagina Shack was already taken, I guess. Vagina Hut. That was so funny. Emily has some great lines. And then the scene ends with her telling Lorelai she looks happy. Yeah. And then, and then they uh, go celebrate. She's going to grab the expensive champagne. She keep an eye on Emily's afternoon drinking, though. <laughs> yeah, it's becoming a lot. She's drinking in a lot of scenes in this episode. So this, I guess, implies that she's going to be able to keep Michelle as well. We don't like yeah. ever say that for sure, but I think that's her goal with Definitely. buying one additional in. I guess it'll double her revenue, I suppose. That would be enough. Yeah, I mean, she could have him manage it mm-hmm. or manage both. But like, yeah, I mean, she yeah, she's going to be able to pay him a lot more. And it seems like maybe this would be the first franchise she may do more. Yes. And then... Actually, there's more to the mm-hmm, scene. Mm-hmm. Lorelai notices in a wrapped up package a smaller portrait of Richard. Which I think is very clearly symbolic, right? That Richard is not this huge imposing presence, huge part, overwhelming part of Emily's life and personality. He's still part of it. He's This picture's here. This is the one she originally wanted, right? Not the giant picture. She's still part of her, but it's not as big. It's not all of her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously... She feels confident enough to address that she made a mistake with the picture the first time, too. But yeah, it's she wants to take him with her into her new life, but it's not everything anymore. It's not yeah. taking up her whole space. Right. She needs room for drinks now. <laughs> we get a quick we get a bunch of quick scenes here leading up to the end. Rory goes to the supermarket to grab some stuff for the wedding and runs into, wouldn't you know it, Dean. Who also looks hot. All the dudes have aged into being just the hottest dudes imaginable. I know. Rory, just pick one of them. Just, yeah, just what are you doing? Show up pregnant at someone's door. They'll help you out. You could <laughs> rotate between all three. I'm sure they all would be with you part-time. They're yeah. all in love with you so much for some reason. 
Because of her goddamn eyes. You can get oh lost in those things. They're pools, man. The scene where she's driving to Emily and Richards and she's getting the voicemail from Emily explaining that she can use the house, they are just glowing. Like, she could be sitting there and be like, yeah, I cheated on you. I'd be like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm just lost. Can you blink more? I can't focus. Dean is all like, hey, casually mentions that he's married. He's got three kids. There's another one on the way. His sister's still alive. His <laughs> sister... <laughs> Remember her, her age, the age she was portrayed as seemed to fluctuate at the show. She's an adult now, though, and she's dating a guy in Germany who likes to climb shit. He climbs bridges and shit for a living, and Dean hates him, which is funny. But yeah, they're like, oh, well, maybe she'll grow out of it. She's young. It's her first love. I'm like, how old is she? She was like 12 (laughs) when they were, what, like 17? And if Roy's 32, that would make this girl like 27. I'm like, she... This is her first love? What happened since high school? A lot of women are saving themselves for any sort of affection until 27 now. <laughs> she was acting like she was like five back then. So I guess that would make her closer to 20 now, but still. Yeah. It would make more sense for him to mention that his daughter has like a boyfriend at daycare or something. Like a joke, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. I guess Roy knows the, Clara. I, all of this was just mentioned so that we can have this awkward moment where she's like, you know, first boyfriends don't last. Oh, oh, oh shoot. That's wounds. you. Remember when your mom confronted me in the town square about the <laughs> cheating and Lindsay threw all your shit out the window? Oh, Was that his mom or was that Lindsay's mom? It was Lindsay's mom. You're right. But his mom gave her the stank eye too. Yeah. And she says, like, oh, I'm writing a book. It's so cool if I put you in it. And he's all like, mm, yeah, we did. Uh, I did leave a marriage for you in a horribly messy way, very publicly. It's like, what are you going to put in the book? And then she goes on to be like, I'm just going to talk about how you were a great first boyfriend and you were the one who taught me what it was like to feel safe. That was nice. She also says that like maybe, she sort of implies that maybe if they had met later in life, they would have ended up together. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's true. Because I feel like when she was with him, she like kind of got bored with him. Yeah, I agree. He was kind of clingy. And he doesn't have either of the things that Jess and Logan have going for them. Logan, his crazy amount of wealth and ability to do anything you want fantastical things or the like artistic mind that i think is more in tune with rory's that jess has yeah i i don't think he has enough to like challenge her totally maybe if he like stayed in stars hollow she would want like a stars hollow guy but he is here visiting he doesn't even live here anymore right which i can't believe remember he was like this is my town that i moved to like a year ago (laughs) This is when he's confronting Jess. He didn't just yeah. like shout this from the gazebo at everyone. <laughs> he sh- he this is my town now. I am deed of the town. They just like portrayed him like he was like the hometown boy when he was new in town. Well, Jess was slightly newer, so. But yeah, I don't, I don't think he's got the intelligence to match her that Logan and Jess have, or like the adventure totally seekingness that Logan has. It's almost like Rory's like, yeah, you know, maybe if I had met you. When my life had totally fallen apart like it has now and I was a complete abject failure and all of my other boyfriends were taken or rejecting me, I could have found you and And we would have made it. Nowhere to live. You would have built me a little house and I would have felt safe. (laughs) Also that line, you're the one that made me feel safe. It's like, did you feel safe in bed with a man that like was leaving a marriage? And then as soon as you left that bedroom, it got weird as shit with your mom. Like at what point did you feel safe during penetration? I don't understand. Yeah, he was face to her. <laughs> That's a reference to the the dialogue subtitles. <laughs> Lane. Was he faced to you? <laughs> no, we did a doggy first time. You got to go back and check out that episode. <laughs> yeah. 
season five, episode one. But it ends on a, a positive note for them. It's nostalgic to see him again. And she grabs some cornstarch. She's like, hey, remember this? Like, remember this fun thing that I stole this after we kissed because I ran away? And he's like, pay for it this time. It's a nice callback. Yeah. As much she as I'm picking it apart. She also makes fun of him for being obsessed with Lord of the Rings. And she's like, you used to do this, like, voice and do character stuff. Why are we not seeing him do it now? It's weird to reference this. We've never seen it. Yeah. And he doesn't do it now. Also, Amy, you're obsessed with Lord of the Rings. What are you talking about? <laughs> You've brought it up a hundred times. I like this scene, though. I, I think it was handled fairly well. Yeah. Then we get another emotional scene that we've been waiting for, where Lorelai goes into the kitchen to find Suki, Melissa McCarthy's back, for this scene, making her a million wedding cakes. And Suki's like, yeah, I left, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't exactly know what they're doing. Living off the land, trying to like learn about sustainable living for the world. I don't totally understand. They may be in the TJ Liz cult for all I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been a nice way to make this all make sense. Oh, yeah. Because they are doing something with farming. Yeah. They're trying to do like sustainable farming to teach the world. I don't know. But they have this reunion where she's like, I had to come back for your wedding. And then she's got this cake. First off, all of this cooking would have taken her days. There's so much, so much detail to these cakes. And she's got one cake that's like, you know, a roadmap of their friendship. And they're like, oh, we're still best friends. I'm sorry I haven't been here. But I actually really like Michelle comes in and she's just like, you bitch. <laughs> was like, wow. <laughs> all right. The previous scene, too, Lorelai walks into the kitchen past Michelle and he, she's like, hey, let me know if Rory calls. He's like, I live for moments like this. <laughs> I love it. You bitch. But then he just lays it out because Lorelai wouldn't say any of this. which So it's nice writing wise because he's all like. You turned her into like this sad husk who had to go wilding, letting the audience know that's what a lot of this turmoil was about. Yeah. And I feel like it is true that it's like Suki abandoned Lorelai. Really, the truth is, I'm guessing, is that Melissa McCarthy couldn't come back for most of these episodes. Yeah, they probably right? just like couldn't get her for as much as they would have liked to have had her for. She's a superstar now. She's done like blockbuster movies and probably doesn't have time to be doing Gilmore Girl episodes. But they got her for this scene, which was nice. I'm glad they got her so we got closure. And we had a reason she was gone, even though it was kind of like, wait, what? Let's more, know more about that. At least we got closure here. Michelle is over his anger as soon as he finds out she's got fat feed granola that he just goes and starts shoveling in his face off screen. Yeah. Oh, when Lorelai first comes in, Suki's doing like something with icing. that just like squirts <laughs> out of the... Yeah, she's like, that was pornographic. <laughs> That's funny. It was. She's also got some funny dialogue about her and Jackson making, like, noise bear traps to scare off bears and getting arrested because of it. It's fun. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Suki and Jackson together. Jackson had, like, one little scene in a different episode, but, yeah, yeah it just, I, they did what they could with schedules. I know they really kind of had to, like, throw this whole thing together pretty quickly. You have to give them credit for this, but I, I wanted more, but it was enough. Oh, and she gets really pissed because she can, like, smell the other chefs in there. Oh, yeah. She starts smelling them and, like, referencing, like, it was Rachel Ray in here. <laughs> we also get another scene of Emily where she is living her new life. She no longer has the wedding ring on. I think that is significant. Even when she was with Jack, she still had this wedding ring on. But now she no longer has it on. They don't make a big deal of it, but I notice it. She has changed considerably. We see her entering her new house where Berta, her new maid who she's kept on and brought the entire family into her house, which is like the exact antithesis of who Emily was previously, who would fire maids daily. Berta is sick in bed. and Emily's like, I'm going to go make you some soup. You should stay here. Again, the opposite of who Emily ever was. 
This scene is pretty funny, though, because Emily's being gracious or trying to be, you know, and, and helpful. But Bert is like saying something in her random made up language. But the subtitles are like, please don't make me soup. Every time you try to make soup, you boil it over. It makes a huge mess on the stove. I have to clean it out. It's so difficult. Please like, don't. How a grown woman can get this far in life without knowing how to make soup is beyond how to me. heat up soup. <laughs> So and Emily's all like, "Oh no, I got it, I got it." So and funny. It, it ends with like, "Okay, it's your oven." <laughs> yeah. We also see her at the museum. Now she's in charge of the whale talks. The whale guy's still there, so she's either like an apprentice or she's just decided to get in, in front of the kids, and she's not actually part of it. <laughs> but she's giving a very scary graphic version of the story and history of whaling. Oh, we see her like change into little tennis shoes too. That was kind of cute. Hmm. For work. She is changing, and she's got a job now. I don't know. This whole whale thing seems a bit sort of sudden, but whatever. Yeah, that's why I'm, like, searching for some meaning in the whales. Like, is it because, like, Richard was a big, powerful man? She's, like, telling that tale. Because what's happening is she's telling the story, and she's doing it well. I would say she is good at her job, but she's mostly speaking to children who are, like, terrified of what she's saying. Yeah, totally. Which she seems proud of, but... I'm like, what is, is she good at this? It seems like she's going to get fired if she gets bad Yelp reviews. She was a history major. So like maybe if this was some kind of like art museum and she was like going back to what she studied, that would have made a little more sense. And we see her like being actually really good at it. I mean, I'm not saying she's not good at it, but it does seem like people aren't necessarily going to be happy with the way she's doing it. Right. Because the kids, like you said, are all like scared and their parents are like, huh, like horrified. Which is like, it's probably too graphic for what you're doing. It would be one thing if the kids got scared, but like in a fun way, you know, where they're like scared for a second, but like interested. But they're, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like they just wanted to give Emily something other than sitting at home. And so they gave her this. Yeah. The day before the wedding, Luke is trying on his suit. Jess is there to just like give him compliments, I guess. Lorelai shows up and there's some funny dialogue about Luke not wanting to see the bride before the wedding. And everyone's like, are we doing that? What? Then Kirk brusts in. He's like, guys, I'm very upset. I have to go throw up upstairs. There's some very funny dialogue about how he's thrown up in this house multiple times and he prefers the upstairs bathroom because it's easy <laughs> on his knees. And Lorelai's Lorelai like, fine with that. <laughs> yeah, and she also is aware of that <laughs> truth. But he's like, oh, I messed up so bad. I was supposed to do decorations for the wedding. And Lorelai said to just do like some extra fall festival decorations lean into that but i just decided to go in a totally different way i had like a vision and i got a glitter gun and i messed stuff up i've ruined your wedding meanwhile in the kitchen lorelei gives rory back her script and says i didn't read it i want you to finish it i'll read it when it's done one advice i'd have for you is you drop the the so it's just gilmore girls which is a reference to the fact that the show is called gilmore girls which to me is why i have this theory that this script is the show Gilmore Girls because of the name specifically and also because before Year in the Life, well, even in Year in the Life, a lot of the events are like sort of fantastical, you know? We've talked about Yeah, that's about what a this. lot of people say, yeah. When I first started watching the show, I was like, no town, why are people not acting like this is insane? It's because she's telling it fantastically. Yeah. Also, it's maybe a reference to the, the Facebook movie? Yes, the, the social network. I mean, it used to be called The Facebook, but in the movie, someone tells him to drop the the but is she saying that to, is she referencing facebook movie or she i don't know if she is or not it's a literal quote from the social network where they say drop the the it's cleaner so she is saying that i think so okay this show of course is full of pop culture so it would make sense but i wasn't clear if that was a reference or not 
I could be wrong too, but it's possible Amy did have it called the Gilmore Girls and someone told her to drop it. I can't remember if that's true. I might be making that up. Jess is like, well, it's getting crowded. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go sleep at TJ and Liz's. And on the porch, Rory runs out and is like, I've got the first couple chapters right here. I'm actually writing it. I'm so excited. Thank you for your help and inspiration. And she hugs yeah. him real tight. And she's yeah, just like, like giddy. Screams like a bird. Uh, luckily, it doesn't trigger swan memories for him. <laughs> and then she goes back inside. And Luke is like, so you're over that, right? And Jess is like, yeah, I'm like way over that. I'm like super over it. Don't even worry about it. Then he starts to leave, and of course he's not over it. He has a real long, lingering look back at Rory inside, just wanting her with every fiber of his very fibrous, hard-muscled body now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he says he's got to like go. I'm like, he where? Just stares to the gym? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to maintain his body. Not easy. Uh, yeah. So it it does seem like Jess is not over that, and. If there were to be more show, maybe that would be something they'd explore. I will talk about that at the end because I have a little some thoughts about that. Okay. So Lorelai and Luke are talking and Lorelai has a flash mob planned for this that she hasn't told Luke about. He's like, oh, that's funny because I actually have a flash mob planned. It's going to be to Steely Dan, which she hates. She's like, that's impossible. He's like, well, I went to rehearsal. So it's kind of fun that they both have this flash mob planned. Yeah, like the gift of the flash mob. <laughs> It's the gift of the Magi reference. Yeah, it, it maps a little bit, but not perfectly, but it was still funny. But they're both kind of stressed out. They're like, neither of us have cold feet, but we're both like stressed out about this big day. It's so much pressure tomorrow. Looks like we should have eloped. Part of me is like, yeah, you guys should have uh, seasons ago. Petal's there, by the way. I don't know when Petal got there, but Petal's also there now. Kirk is sleeping there. At some point, he wished Petal was there, so maybe somebody made that happen. <laughs> Probably Jess. Jess is always helping out people now. <laughs> That's what he does. Did some curls with the pig on his way over. He's just like the Incredible Hulk. He's just going to town to town to town solving problems. That was funny what you said about the pig. Thank you. I think the Life and Death Brigade probably were like, oh shit, we got to get this back. I thought you meant he was like the Incredible Hulk because he's beefed So up. beefed up now. No, he's just got this like vagrant, like nomad traveler kind of energy now. But then Lorelai and Luke were like, what if we just got married right now? We'll get married tomorrow too, but like we'll just do it now and the pressure's off. So they go wake up Rory, and they go to the gazebo, and Kirk actually did a fantastic job for once, and it's it's decorated impossibly well. He said he did this in like two hours. It's like yeah. crazy decorations. It's like Alice in Wonderlandy, sort of like fantastical. Yeah, yeah I don't. I would be surprised if like some of this was like leftover stuff that the Life and Death Brigade had set up. And like, mm. he was like, oh, I could use that because it's it's fantastic. There's this guy, a door that's just to nowhere, to curtains. Reminiscent of Luke, you know, making a whole tent by himself in one night. Oh, sure, sure. So then we have this, it's, it's I don't know, you can read it as cheesy or you can read it as beautiful. I'm taking it as beautiful where they have this like, once again, fantastical, almost dreamlike wedding where Luke is like pushing her through all the decorations on like a cart and they're just like enjoying the magicalness of all of this. We need to mention the song that is playing is Reflecting yes. Light, which is the song that Luke and Lorelai dance to at Liz and TJ's wedding. Which is the catalyst for them to start dating eventually. Well, the uh, the self-help tapes were the catalyst. <laughs> well, yes, but I feel like this is where they had a moment. Yes, yes, yes. There's also dancers. Okay, So Lorelai and Luke decide to get married and they, they say Reverend Skinner is up late because it's bingo night. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing he like calls bingo or he plays bingo is what that's supposed to mean. Bingo goes late. But like when they go out, there's just like a dance class happening. What time is it? 
There's like adult ballerinas dancing at Miss Patty's. Who then join in the festivities. They're wearing different outfits when they join the festivities, though. It's just like part of the fantasticalness. But things get crazy on Bingo Night. (laughs) Well, they get married. Lane is there. Michelle is there. But I don't know why Suki's not there. I know why Suki's not there because they couldn't afford her for another scene. Yeah, that's something people are always upset about, that Suki wasn't here. Also that Emily isn't there for the wedding. I mean, the real wedding is tomorrow and it's the spur of the moment. And we know Emily is coming to the wedding. She's in Nantucket right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we get a clip of Emily during this as well. Like, tucking in Berta's children. Which, again, is a huge change for her. So this is sort of like the bookend to Emily, who went from this, like, selfish woman who only cared about money and her standing as a Gilmore to someone who doesn't care about any of that anymore. And is embracing being rich despite the, like, public appearance part. She doesn't care about that anymore. And she's taking care of her found family. Yeah. I don't know if it's totally earned, but it's nice that she has somebody now. She also kisses Richard's picture goodnight Mm -hmm. before she like heads outside with a little lantern and a glass of wine to look out at the ocean. So the next day, after all of this, Lorelai is sitting on the gazebo steps with Rory. She's drinking. Rory has a bottle of wine on her side, but she's not drinking. First off, before we get to the ending, Lorelai says that she's actually switched the song for Luke's flash mob without telling him because she doesn't think Steely Dan's good. So she's changed it and she's like, haha, it's funny. I'm going to be honest, that's like shitty. Like, I kind of <laughs> hated that. It's like, he set us all up. I get that you don't like his song, but he set it all up. He went to rehearsals for this. This is all stuff that's very not like Luke, but he's doing it for your wedding. And you're going to be like, nah, I don't like what you did. I'm doing something else instead. That's so disrespectful to your right. fiance. Yeah. It's his wedding too. If he wants to fucking flash mob to Steely Dan, he 100% can. I don't, like what? <laughs> like, what? I get it's played for a joke, but it's really disrespectful. Sure. Could you imagine if he's like, oh, I changed your song to something else. All the stuff you rehearsed is totally meaningless. All the time you invested in this special thing is worthless, a waste of time. Because I don't like your song. This is so awful. It's played for, I'm sorry, it just really is. I get it. But then, past that, let's get to the beautiful part. <laughs> Rory seems pained. She gets a text from Paul saying that they're broken up. She's like, it's for the best. And Lorelai says... Rory says she treated him really badly. Right. And she's like, no, you didn't. It just sometimes it doesn't fit. And it's like, no, she legitimately treated him really poorly. She slept with other people while she was with him. There's no way to... That's not a... It didn't fit. She fucked a Wookiee. Maybe Lorelai just doesn't understand what it means to treat your partner poorly. (laughs) Rory seems, like, emotional, though. Like, she says she's, like, just trying to remember all of this and, like, take it all in. I don't know what she means specifically. Like, her mom's wedding or, like... Life as it is now before things get weird. Or Paul's text. It's not clear. (laughs) And then we get the final four words. The famous, infamous four words. Rory says, Mom. Lorelai says, Yeah. Rory says, I'm pregnant. Hmm. Lorelai looks at her shocked. Cut to black. Then we get the intro song. Yep. We haven't had that yet. I'll tell you something Brian said pretty much immediately. He was like, well, Logan's for sure the father. Which is something that's up for debate. And Amy it's has basically come out and been debate. like, why is it up for debate? I think I made it clear. People like to speculate it's the Wookiee. The timing doesn't work on that. That was like in spring. She'd be showing by now. She was yeah. drinking a lot in summer. Sometimes people don't find out they're pregnant until later, but I feel like she would know by now. Mm-hmm. Some people like to romanticize that it's Jess. I guess. But I, I feel like she's when? kind of friend zoning him in this episode, actually. When she like screams at him about the book. There's no romance there. 
Yeah, and like what he banged her and then told Luke like, ah, oh, no, nah, I'm over that. The, yeah. No. <laughs> and then I'm assuming she's had sex with Paul, but has she in the last year? Right. But I think like the Christopher scene is a huge clue. It's Logan, especially since she sleeps with Logan in this episode, the beginning yeah. of this episode that gives her like time. While they're super drunk. Yeah. It's a time when you might forget to use a condom. It's without a doubt Logan. And if you don't think it's Logan, then I, I think you missed some of this episode. Or you're confused about the timing because the show has told us pretty clearly it's Logan. And like you said, the Christopher thing, I think, very much solidifies it. If you want a conspiracy theory for fun, that like it's possible, sure. But like I think it's clear the show is telling us it was Logan. Yeah, a lot of people think it's a cliffhanger ending. And it is. We don't get to see Rory's baby or how Lorelai actually feels about it or how Logan feels about it. But it's not a cliffhanger because we don't know who the father is. So how do you feel about Rory being pregnant and what this means for the Gilmore Girls? I'm fine with her being pregnant. I'm fine with all that. It is it is so complicated, though. Like, is she going to tell Logan? Because it definitely seems like she's going to raise it by herself. But, like, I guess she maybe was seeing what that might be like, anticipating that Logan wouldn't want to be the father or would be an absentee father even if he did say he was going to do it. That's all weird. And I don't know what the message of the show is. Like, I, the show is about unplanned pregnancy in, in some regard, right? That's Lorelai's thing. That was Lane's thing. And then that's Rory's thing. Yeah. It's funny because Rory did all the things that Lorelai was supposed to do. Like, went to a really good school, killed it, did well, but then ended up becoming unexpectedly pregnant in a way that was going to change her life. Even having accomplished all those things that Lorelai was not able to accomplish because she was raising a child. True. But I don't know how I feel about the ending. How do you feel about the ending? Um, it, it just would have been much different if this is how she ended the show when Rory was 24. Yeah. It's almost like this unexpected pregnancy is like no big deal right now. It's like, oh, well, you have unlimited wealth from your father, your mother, your grandparents are definitely going to leave your money and your grandmother can take care of you. And you have a lover. The father child is well to do. And you have a full education and you're doing nothing but sitting and writing books now. You're not doing any other career stuff that would require you to leave your child somewhere. So, like, honestly, this is a perfect time for you to have a baby if you're going to have one. Valerie, the set costumer, kind of theorized that maybe the final four words were intended to be said by different people. Like, maybe Lorelai mm-hmm. would have been pregnant telling Emily. Which would have made sense because she wanted to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I also could see that she wanted it to be Rory because I, mm-hmm. I think she sort of was setting up. This, like, Christopher situation. Yeah. With Logan. She just kind of had to dance around the events of season seven to make that make sense. I mean, it's hard to say, but it's an interesting ending. I'm fine with it. So, Stacy, was the last episode of Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, a good episode? Um, yeah. I really enjoyed watching it. Like I said, we were so emotional throughout it, and... I mean, it was it was funny, like all of them. So much of it was beautiful. I really enjoyed the life and death brigade scene. It's like unrealistic. And I hear what you're saying about like Colin being a lot, but like it was just cool. Like the, the way it was stylized was really fun. The wedding is really pretty. Any flaws with this episode are just due to the overall flaws of A Year in the Life and how it doesn't really make sense, a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. And how the timing of it and the ignoring of season seven like doesn't really make sense. But I think it's the best episode of the four. Without a doubt. Just as far as the spectacle, the emotional moments. It was pretty funny. Maybe others were funnier. I'm not sure. But it, I just enjoyed this episode. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's like any TV show where they set a bunch of stuff up and then we get all the resolutions to all of the things in one episode and it's just this catharsis. It's just like this, oh, we're paying this all off now. Oh, we're paying this all off now. Over and over again. Rory's story, Logan's story, Lorelai's story, Emily's story. Like, we're getting all of these stories paid off now. But yeah, I, I enjoyed watching this. We watched it before we went to FanFest what like almost two months ago at this point so that you could go to fan fest spoiler free right and then it is uh the middle of november and we just rewatched it i was always looking forward to rewatching it because it's a good episode we actually sat down and we're like we're gonna watch half of it and then we'll watch half of it later because it's long it's longer than the other ones it's like an hour and 40 minutes but we just like watched the whole thing again <laughs> there's no mm-hmm. good place to stop it's like all good story what about you did you like it I did like it. I have some issues with the whole message of the show because it's unclear to me what the show is trying to say about wealth and privilege because it's just, it's unclear because it's especially this episode's portraying a man who is uh, so invested in his work is bad because he can't really be there for his family. But also like money has saved them time and time and time and time and time and time again. And they go to these people who they need their money. They need it. So like, I don't know what, the message is like I, I would be fine if the show was like it's not clear work-life balance is pretty difficult but like it's something we all have to manage and it's part of the human condition that we can never quite get it right but that doesn't seem to be what the show's saying I, I don't know I also would have liked to have more of a discussion about what Rory's failure in the workplace why that happened because she's incredibly talented and has an incredible amount of experience and stuff to put on a resume that would get you a job yeah, I wonder if that was like part of Amy's plan, if she would have continued writing the show too. Like, would she have had Rory just fail at journalism? Because it's sort of out of her control. In the meantime, journalism kind of became a obsolete career. Yeah. And that would have been fine to, you know, investigate. Also, Rory's character changes so much of the show, which is fine because people change. But we don't really address like a lot of her flaws, really. Like, we're just like, that's a flaw. And we're like, but yeah, but we, sh- we should acknowledge that that's a flaw, right? Like, someone should call her out on this. Yeah, Lorelai just always, like, loves her anyway, too. Lorelai doesn't really point out her flaws in this episode. They get into the fight about the book. And I will say, I think Lorelai lets her write the book now without reading it because Lorelai feels comfortable with how her story is ending now. Not ending, mm. but... Thoughtful, insightful. Lorelai didn't want her to write it because she was in a bad place. Where she's like, I was bad for having a kid when I was a teenager and I was a bad mother and now everything's bad but now she's like very happy with how things are so it almost doesn't matter because everything that she did led to this goodness that's interesting but i mean if we're talking about eating popcorn watching a tv show having a coffee this show's great what time of day are we doing this i don't know after you've been in the porch for a while you need to pick me up uh you have a coffee and some popcorn (laughs) i feel like this show, especially this episode, is really going to do you well, like all those emotional moments. I will say, I don't know that like, really, they're all earned, but like, it's what we've all been waiting for. And like, the show dances around it until we finally get it. And like, it gives us what we want. So I liked it. I think they did a pretty good job. But some of the writing still didn't work. Like the wilding thing, like her epiphany just seemed to be like, yeah, she had an epiphany because it's time in the show for her to have it. Right. Same with Emily. It's time in the show for her to have an epiphany. Maybe it's based on what Lorelai said, but unclear. We want her to do wild because that's popular right now, but we don't actually want to shoot her doing wild. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Did we do it? Did we finish Gilmore Girls? We did it. Maybe we'll have more to say later. I feel like we'll have another one where we maybe just talk about themes or something. I think the show is imperfect, but the show delivered what I wanted. 
these emotional scenes at the end with the characters I love finding some sort of peace. Rory, I think, found, you know, she's pregnant, which is like, uh-oh, I don't know how to deal with that yet. How that's going to affect things? But she's found her purpose, her career is going to be writing this book. How do you feel about the existence of A Year in a Life? Do you think it ruins everything? Do you think it made things better? I don't think it was needed. I think the show ended fine and on like an optimistic, happy note. So I don't think it was needed. I don't think it hurts because it gives Emily a good ending. Yeah, that's true. Because I don't think she actually like changed at all in the show. A lot of people say that. that the best thing about all this is Emily, for sure. Yeah, it's hard because it, it taints so much of it with just like the a lot of it seeming wonky with like the time passing but nothing's changed aspect of it. Yeah. But yeah, it was enjoyable. And like I said, watching it at the time, it was just cool to like have more because <laughs> we love yeah, these characters. Totally. But yeah, I, I kind of try to live in two camps, one where it exists and one where it doesn't because it, it doesn't feel like it really fits with the real conclusion of season seven. No, I agree with you on all of that. So I feel like people probably have this like feeling of like kind of taking bits of pieces of both and like mashing in their head. I'm putting that on people. That's kind of what I would do. It's like, yeah, it's sort of both. It's like some of the stuff from the year in the life happened and some didn't. And if you say it's a book she wrote, then I think that that's fine. Well, Brian, we could probably talk about this forever and we probably will. But yes, maybe not today. No, maybe there'll be subsequent things. Do you want to talk about Veronica Mars? No, we can talk about that later. We haven't exactly decided what the next phase of this looks like. We've got some ideas, but um, we're going to keep making something for you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We've got one more Buffy comic episode coming out for sure. We'll see if we're going to do future ones, but we have a lot of plans that we will discuss very shortly. Yeah. If you want to follow along, next time we'll be reading issues 31 through 40 of the season eight Buffy comics, which will finish season eight of Buffy. As well as a one-off issue in there called Riley Commitment Through Distance, Virtue Through Sin. Don't miss that issue. (laughs) Which we'll be reading in between issues 35 and 36. Which we'll be reading in between issues 34 and 37. (laughs) Get out of here. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on fall. And all of it. All of the year in life. Like, do you think it should have happened? Are you happy it happened? How do you feel about the whale? Was that Richard? Like, is there some context or allegory or metaphor that we miss or symbolism that we miss that you caught? Let us know. How do you think the show would continue if they made more? What's your nonsensical theory that makes it so it's not Logan's baby? (laughs) How'd you feel about Emily's ending? Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, X, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches, and more. Or you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash brianandstacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel. For now... (laughs) angels ending soon we think we have a plan stay tuned we also host monthly live stream watch parties post outtakes from the podcast and share early extended episode previews and shout out to our new patreon subscriber Anne marie weber thank you for more brian and stacy content please be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel called brian and stacy which i believe will become much more active soon which we've been saying for years but i do think we're going to pivot a bit more into the youtube realm soon If you want to support our content, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bio. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out in an upcoming podcast. 
No one will be here more for you when you're with another guy and Rory's sick than me. Or if your dad's sick, than me. No one will be here for you more than me. That's what the script says, so that's true. I know you're doing Luke, but you're talking like Christopher. <laughs> for now. Oh, notably Christopher said that he would not be coming to Lorelai's wedding, which I think is wise. <laughs> <laughs> I want another I want another fight in the town square. I know. Well, bye Gilmore girls. It's been real. La 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 la